Don't leave your save stranded on PS4. All right. So if you are wondering what Chris is doing there, he's doing the uh, the mouth chant version of our intro at halftime in demonic speed mm-hmm. uh, that we heard. Right so, before we found out our grandmother sold all our weapons and we have to fight an evil army with sticks. Yeah, that's exactly what. Ha- Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you're really on key here. Uh, <laughs> hello and welcome to Triangle Square at a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck. And alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul Bridges bringing you guys lucky episode 230. 2.30. And of course, our new edition. Eventually, he's not going to be so new. He's been around for a while. I think at this point, we can yeah. just say our other host, Chris Figs. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on, Brett? How are you? You notice how I didn't make you say your name this week? You kind of got stumbled last week. Yeah, it really but- threw me off. I was not planning on doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Everything fell apart last week, okay? This is the first week we're back in the uh, back in the swing of things, being together in the same actual place, uh, which is the way I much prefer this. Um, <laughs> the more people you introduce into a Zencaster call, the worse it gets. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the less we can keep it, the better. Uh, but if you are new to the show, stick around uh, about middle of the show. We talk about where you can be part of the community's take section, where we ask you guys in the community, your thoughts on the subjects that we are talking about, as well as uh, where you can find us and, and listen to us or, or watch us, depending on what your preferences are. But I'm going to start this show off the right way, which is a time on a tradition of Chris blobbing it to you again. What you've been playing this week, um on ps5 i've been playing uh miles morales on ps4 (laughs) i haven't played anything else really um i played a little bit of kenna and uh but it was it's been miles morales and phasmophobia this week so let me hit you with a uh excuse me let's let me hit you with a for science question Mm -hmm. because i noticed that dang in our um in our chats that we had in our other Discord, uh, you were saying that you didn't really notice a big difference between Miles Morales no. on PS4 and PS5. Now, for science, did you actually download the PS5 version and kind of play between them to see what it felt like? Or is it just nope. more of the way your brain remembers it? It didn't feel Yeah, like? the way my brain remembers it. Like, it's very clear that, like, like that ending, you know, when he's all the, the, the electricity and stuff, it's like, okay, like, this clearly doesn't look as good. But, like, playing the game, I've noticed little to no difference it's in 60 fps it looks good like the yeah. only issue is there's load times and the load times are two three seconds at most oh, i didn't really think about that does the ps4 version on ps5 still run at 60 because i don't think on ps4 pro it ran at 60 it, no matter it, what you did it i don't have an issue with it and i know based on my experience with kenna that i have an issue with 30 fps now so Oh, did you not turn Kenna on to performance? I did, but the cutscenes are in 30 FPS. The cutscenes are in 30, and that is a little jarring. It's, incredib- it's incredibly jarring because they look the same, uh, ostensibly the same anyway. So you, you're you playing the 60 FPS, looks gorgeous, then all of a sudden it cuts in half for a cutscene. I'm like, why did you do this? <laughs> My assumption is that the reason that they really did that is because they cranked the effects to 11 and, and all this different, you know, like they switched to a high detail model and stuff whenever they go to the cutscenes. And I think it's obvious, but at the same time, it is no matter what jarring to just suddenly be like, oh, I'm running in 60 and now you c- cut to 30 without any kind of transition screen. Yeah. 
I think that's the most thing. If it if it like dropped to black for a second and then came up in thirty frames per second, I yeah, don't think your happen. brain would be like, "Whoa!" But it caught me yesterday too. Game's but gorgeous. Was, but. It is, but I was noticing like, "Oh my god!" Like it looks like a slideshow now. I'm like, "Why did you do this to me?" I don't understand. It's weird because it does look more cinematic, and I think that that's what they were aiming for: is that they wanted it to look like in the cutscenes you literally are just watching an animated movie. Yeah. See to me, well, it didn't I don't look know more that that cinematic. Was the right move it that just, way. It just it looked like <clears throat> jarring, you know. <sighs> I mean, I think that's fair. I uh, I heavily debated last night. Do I just want to play the game in fidelity mode, just so everything's thirty frames per second and has that, or do no, I want to don't. just play the majority of the game sixty? And I'm just going to leave it sixty. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to play anything in thirty FPS that I'm not like. Okay, this is a PS3 game. I know what I'm sacrificing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know what I'm getting into. Yeah, I'm I'm good on that now. Well, you know, I. I've often had the thing where I feel like game companies as best as possible should try to steal good ideas from the other side. I think it's mm-hmm. always should be the case, right? If somebody comes out and they're doing something that's smart, then you take it. And that happens sometimes. I mean, like, you know, we saw last gen, uh, the Xbox controller come out. Uh, initially, the Xbox One controller was the normal infrared controller. And then whenever they released the S, they switched to a Bluetooth controller. And in that Bluetooth controller, they included the 3.5 jack where you didn't have to have the adapter anymore, mm-hmm. um, just like PlayStation did, which I think was because they saw PlayStation doing that and thought, this is a great idea. Let's just do it. While we're, we're doing a system refresh anyway, let's take the time. Uh, I always hoped last gen that PlayStation would take the snap ability that Xbox eventually got rid of and, and put it on their side, but it never happened. But right now, this gen, I'm hoping that this the FPS boost that Xbox is doing with the Series X is something that PlayStation can find a way to make happen I would love that because it'd be really cool, which, of course, that would also require PlayStation to get far more in-depth backwards compatibility than they currently have. Because, yeah, because what are you really going to do? I mean, most of the PS4 games are already getting some kind of boost to 60 frames per second, or you can play them off the disc with no update and you can play the unlocked frame rate, which lets you get to 60 like with Assassin's Creed Unity. But it would be awesome if we get to the point where either on the server or even on the system side or on the server side for PS Now, if they could find a way when you're playing a PS3 game, it can internally boost the frames per second and give you a streamed 60 frames per second of like Fallout 3 or Resistance 3 or Killzone 2 or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I agree that would be nice. I don't know. For me, it's one of those things like most of the time, like if I'm going back, I'm playing on the original console, so... I agree. And so and that's normally what I'm doing too. But if you want to push me into actually using PS Now as somewhat of an extended backwards compatibility solution, one way to get me to at least really seriously try it out would be frames like a frame rate boost. Now that's that you fair. can stream in 1080p and if you can run at 60 frames per second, you might actually keep me from turning my actual PlayStation 3 on that's directly beside my PS5. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's something I hope for, but it is weird to see that. Um, I don't know. It would have been cool if Kenna would have found a way to, or Kina, which is what I've been calling it this whole time. And then I started to relinquish to everybody else calling it Kenna. Turns out your boy was right. Uh, <laughs> but it would have been cool if it would have been like, do you want the cutscenes to look a little worse, but run in 60 frames per second? Yeah. My assumption here is that they're, they must be pre-rendered. Otherwise, why would it lock? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I noticed, especially playing Miles, I'm like, 
if this isn't in 4K, I don't care. It looks fine, but you need to f- you need to handle the FPS properly. And yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, because that's the thing. People were talking about resolution like crazy coming into this generation. And I know that that's what consoles have always focused on. But, man, control over frames per second is a huge deal. Oh, yeah. And I have yet to see a game where the fluidness of 60 frames per second outweighs the slightly better image clarity of fidelity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Phasmo, fun times. Yes, we've been having fun during Phasmo. Yeah, if you want to hear Chris get incredibly freaked out, it's, it's good times. <laughs> At this point, I'm just dying so much that I'm not even scared. I'm just like, oh, crap, I hear the breathing, taking my headphones off, and I'm turning around. <laughs> <laughs> just shh, shh. Yeah, no, what got me is how scared Ben gets. To, and I don't mean in a bad way, right? But yeah. Ben, that one night was like, I don't want to go back in. And I was trying to truck in and be like, we're going to figure this out, even if it means I have to die. Yeah. And it was like, I really don't want to. Please don't make me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, good times. Uh, all right, Saul, what you been up to? Uh, this week, I played a couple of new games. Um, I, first of all, have played the demo for... Um, well, one of the main topics we're going to be talking about today, which is um, the Yoko Taro game that got announced at the Nintendo Direct, the Dragon Isles. Mm-hmm. And I think it is phenomenal so far with the demo. Uh, it's definitely going to break my day one purchase thing that I've been going on lately because it is just that good of a game uh, to me. I love card-based RPGs like this. And the fact they somehow took a turn-based card combat system and D&D and Yoko Taro's personality and put it into a game is just amazing. The The music alone, like the second the music came on while me and you're watching the direct, we knew, hey, what is this? Well, and I remembered that like about a month ago, there was a leak about Yoko Taro's next game being a card game. And I remember that it had the name and everything. So I remember the key art, but I didn't know how it worked or what it looked like because that was the extent of the leak. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, I was super excited. (laughs) And I downloaded the demo yesterday on Saturday, played through pretty much to where it forces you to stop playing. Uh, And I would highly recommend anybody who's interested in Yoko Taro and likes Dungeons and Dragons and or just high fantasy storytelling, go download the demo. I definitely intend on playing this demo. And I say that a lot, but there's times where I just don't get to work it in. I intended to play the Tales of Arise demo before it came out. But at this point, Chris bought it. I could just play it. There's like no reason (laughs) for me to play the demo instead of just trying the game. I guess the only upside is the demo doesn't give you trophies. So if you decide you don't like it, you don't have a 3% trophy list. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Speaking of which, is that one of the demos that lets you carry your progress forward, or is it like a weird slice of gameplay demo? Did you play it? No, I just wanted to go straight into uh, Tales, so I didn't. Mm. I didn't touch it. Because w- I'm wondering, games like that, whenever you transfer over, if you got trophies, does it just account for it and say, "Okay, pop them"? Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. I wonder how that would work. I mean, it's, I, I, I really know. doubt in a demo you're going to get any hard trophy to be honest but i mean well like i wonder with like temtem like that's in beta and it doesn't have trophies right now 
But if I played it, would it retroactively unlock everything? Or would it be like, hey, thanks for playing the beta. Do everything again. <laughs> I would imagine that you would have to at least log into the game and like load. And then the load would do a check and be like, oh, well, the trophy check says that, okay, you have to have 160 Tim Tim or whatever they're called. And then mm-hmm. it looks and goes, well, he's got 160 of them. Okay, pop that one. Uh, you've got to have been to this place. Look at his map. Shows he's cleared it. Go pop that trophy. It should be kind of like what happens when you load your save into Spider-Man for PS5 and it's just like, oh, you've already got all these? Okay. <laughs> Let me do it again. You would hope, right? But Well, it's even more interesting that you don't you literally don't even have to load into the game. From the menu, as soon as the save comes in, it's like, oh, we've checked everything about your save and it hit hits all of these things. Yeah. Which I guess goes to show how you can manage saves, which I remember on 360, I had a friend who figured out how to uh, basically use their save and somehow on your account give you all the Gears of War trophies if you were playing in co-op. And so I remember we were playing and he's like, I can get you all the Gears of War trophies. So well, he's like, yeah, I've got them on my account already. And I figured this way out where all you got to do is be in a co-op game with me, do this, this, this. I think we went out of bounds somewhere and then he popped something and then I just saw my tr- my achievement thing just boop, boop, boop. And I, had all- <laughs> I was like, that's one of the odd, that was of course really early days because that was Gears of War 1. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Wow. Yeah, it might have been two, but I'm pretty sure it was one. But uh, in terms of the rest of the games that I played this week, I started up Dragon Age Eleven. Um, oh, started? Did you restart, or did you like pl- continue playing from the demo? No, no. Like I bought it on Switch and I started it up. Like I, if I, if typically like I played the demo so long ago, I'm just going to restart. There's no reason. To, I, I didn't want to forget any potential story beats. That there was yeah so i just went ahead and restarted that so i'm enjoying that game pretty much and that's kind of just been like my couch game for the week because um i i've been playing dishonored as well but i haven't really played a lot Remastered? Like, yes and i really haven't gone in and played through a um a lot of it i pretty much have got past this game's so old, but I've been yelled at for spoiling 10-year-old games before. Um, <laughs> I got past the first light wall, I should say. I'm very early on. Like, I'm two hours in at most. Um, and I'm The game's not that long. Side quest. No, no, it's not. Um, in hindsight, it's kind of... Like 10 hours, 12 it's just, hours. It's like Deathloop. It's as long as you make it. I, I, that's kind of all arcade games, right? They can be incredibly short, but it's how long do you, does your choice of dealing with this problem take? And the side quest, because I mm-hmm. forgot about um, Granny's side quest oh, yeah. in that game. And I've been doing those too, just so you can min-max pretty much the only way you can in that game with runes and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, But other than that, I haven't really played much, um, really at all. What have you been up to? Deathloop. And of course, I beat Deathloop, got to the final loop. I got this itch where I've always talked about how I would love to platinum an arcane game, because I really love their games. But I it's always just been like so daunting and Liam, one of our listeners and, and friends has always talked about if you really, if you just abuse the checkpoint system, then you can get through some of the crazy ones where it's like beat the entire game without being seen. And then another trophy of beat the entire game without killing anyone, which of course you can stack if you do it right. But that sounds so crazy. Cause it's like, dude, that's like a anywhere from 12 to 15 hours. And so you get to that. What I like about Deathloop is that there's similar trophies, but because the game is broken into four bespoke times of day, and then there's four map areas that you that have those four different day states, 
if you think, oh, there's, I can go to this time period, knock out these trophies. I literally got six trophies in one time period on one map the other day because I just stacked them all up. Oh, wow. Um, and it just, so I'm, I'm closer than I've ever been in one of those games. I'm at 71% right now, I think. Um, I'm, I'm still aiming for it. Also, I found something I was, I was playing and it's, it's, I don't even think it's much of a spoiler. I was just playing and I was going around trying to do something different. I was trying to pop a trophy where you have to kill three people at a party without being seen and then leave. Um, and I was going through and I ended up killing way more than three people for the trophy because I just started having so much fun. I fell behind this sign and I saw a button. I said, what's this button do? And it opens up a pit in the floor and people fall into a meat grinder. So <laughs> I, I kept waiting for them to come up on the stage. I would throw something or activate something that would get their attention. They'd start walking on the stage. I'd hide behind the thing, wait for them to hit the stage and then hit the button and they'd fall to their death and it would alert everyone else and they just kept coming up. And by the time I was done, I I killed like 40 people at this party with the meat grinder. So that's kind of cool. I like <laughs> that game. I don't, I, it, I don't know why, but it, just watching you play for like the, however long it was, it reminds me of the style and humor of a game that was in the PS3 generation. I, uh, yeah. And I, 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 maybe it's just because a lot of the games in that time era to me have kind of that same like humoristic era, like or side, like it almost reminds me of Portal in like a kind of a sadistical way. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it, it definitely has an odd sense of of humor and character writing and whatnot. Uh, and I think that that's pretty true of most of Arcane's games, and and really all of the people ca- that came from Looking Glass, because I think that's pretty true of Bioshock. Bioshock has very odd sensibilities to all of the games, and that Bioshock Ken Levine was part of Looking Glass, just like most of Arcane's. Uh, founding people were part of looking yeah. this and that's why those games are very similar but it's a great game i'm having a good time but uh after deciding i wanted to go for that i originally intended to play kenna kena whatever and then last night after playing phasmo chris was like i'm gonna go play it so i could talk about it tomorrow so yeah <laughs> I just need to. Uh, and i ended up playing quite a bit of it uh, i got drawn in the world is super cute and charming I absolutely adore the rot and everything about them Agreed. and as you continue and you get more of them and you have new abilities uh, it's it, it's not an original thought or anything. I just it's such a great way of describing the game. The game feels so much like a Zelda game in a year where we aren't getting anything Zelda wise for its twenty fifth anniversary. I guess <laughs> until because uh, isn't Breath of the Wild twenty twenty two the the second one? I think so. so didn't yeah. they say? I don't think twenty twenty two. Yeah, I don't think there's a set release date. Is there? Did they actually say twenty twenty two, Chris? Do you know? Uh, I thought they did, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I felt it, like they did as well. It, it might have been so that like they said it, and I'm just like, that's not coming out. So I disregarded it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, it says the release window is 2022. Yeah, I figured as much. But the game feels very much like early 3D Zeldas in terms of the way it chooses to use gameplay. But it's got this thing that while we're talking about, you know, and we're going to get into it in a little bit more. So I'm going to keep it brief here. But it's got this thing where. It's not as much as these other games, but and it's not that these games don't exist at all because there's a there's been a relatively new Pikmin. But speaking of games that have odd genres, I would say this is more of a mechanic. The rot kind of remind me of using in um oh god, I just had it. Um Overlord. In Overlord, you could control the little minions that you get by selecting them and then using the right analog stick to just make them run around and do whatever you wanted. 
And I don't know, you're not far enough yet, Chris, that I'm aware of, but you can make, like, you can control the rot, make them move stuff around for you. At one point, you can make them go into, like, their primordial form where they all glue together and look like a little snake, and you can control them and get them to beat stuff up and attack enemies or break down barriers. Um, And it just gives me that feeling of, I don't even know what you call those games, like Pikmin and Overlord, because clearly they have, at least Overlord has an overarching genre. And but then God it has Sims, this back-end right? mechanic, I guess. That's I don't what know. I've always thought of them as. I think Pikmin... I've, I've never played a Pikmin game, so I really don't know. Outside looking in, I just thought they were kind of puzzle games with that yeah. as the primary mechanic. I can see Pretty that, much, too. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's the case, then... P- Pikmin and Pikmin and Overlord are the same. At least the original Overlord are the exact same game, almost. Like, so you control, you, you control an actual character... Yes, you and control, then you use um, you, you send out the Pikmin to do whatever it is you need to do. Yes, you control Olimar or um, oh dang, I forgot his partner's name. You control depending on the scenario. You control Olimar, and you typically have a whistle that you can get all the Pikmin to come to you. Pikmin have roles, so like the red ones are strong ones, if I remember correctly, and they can lift up heavier objects. Yeah, or it requires less, and then to lift up heavier objects, stuff like that. Yeah, it's been so a you're right. So Overlord's Pikmin. real similar, except for Overlord is still an RPG mixed in and all that. Right, like an action RPG. So speaking of that, that's a game I want to come back. But yeah, I'm having a great time with it so far. Uh, game that looks and runs beautiful, and for all the people that were worried about at least the people who were trying to review bomb it because they didn't want PlayStation to keep making these games. I would, I want to save this real statement as that, but right now I'm kind of thinking it'd be pretty sweet if PlayStation just bought out Ember Labs because this is really cool and I like this game. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm at. PlayStation's got nothing but bangers right now. You know what I mean? Honestly, Deathloop reviewed super well. Great game. Kenna, Kena right. reviewed super well. Great game. Oh, you don't have to like a game for it to review well, Chris. It's okay. <laughs> Wait, what game do you I'm not just like? I'm saying. It's not even that he doesn't like Deathloop. He's just, he played the tutorial and then moved on. And he's just kind of like, I don't know that I want to get back to it at this moment. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which I think is fair. The weird thing is, is I still think it does tutorials better than a lot of games. The downside to it is that the tutorial is nothing like the majority of how the game plays. Yeah. Because the tutorial, when you die, or, when, or even if you don't die, it just keeps pushing you through to a new area and a different <clears> time of day until you've done one full loop. I also got to be honest, so far I just don't really enjoy the characters, which I, that seems like I'm on the... You are it? certainly on the out. The That's outside. it, yes. Yeah, but... but I also don't think the game does a lot to make you like them. I think it's the, the two characters that are really matter is Colton Juliana. Yeah. Then the rest of them are just figuring out their weird character traits and then just seeing who they are, which is interesting and fun. Well, and you kind is, of build like sorry. dossiers on each person as you walk around and like collect more information. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, I mean, I do think the characters and the writing is really good. Definitely. As you get into the game. Uh, yeah, but it's I more can of see how down it's like the a, line. You pick up it, information and discover stuff. Yeah, down the line it makes sense. At the beginning, Juliana just grates on me. I'm like, dude, leave me alone. <laughs> like, ah, Colt, gotcha, Colt. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stand it. That was part of it's, why I dropped it. It's more interesting how that ends up playing out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure. Like also, I, said, I need to play more, but. You need to play the protect the loop mode. Yeah. I have been having a blast, dude. 
I started playing it just because I wanted to give it a try. Then I realized there was two trophies I needed to get from it. So I ended up knocking those out anyway. But I do I have so much fun. And I love the invasion mechanic. I leave the game on online mode constantly. Right. I want to be invaded. The only downside is that because there's so many people that want to do that, but so many people are turning the game to offline mode or friends only mode. Mm-hmm. Um, it, most of the time, as soon as you load into a map and go out of the side of the tunnels, you're going to get invaded. But it makes it so fun, man. I have only died once from an opposing oh. Juliana. And on, when you play as Juliana, the more that you actually go through and protect the loop, you level up based off of different perks or different things that you end up doing throughout the uh, the game. So like if you survive a certain amount of time, if you kill Colt without him uh, getting damage on you at all, or if you do more damage to him than he does to you, all of those things, and then you level up, and that's what gives you new things to use as Juliana. Really cool. I, lo- I love the extra layer. It almost reminds me of, like, I think Watch Dogs, the original, had one of the best multiplayer modes ever. Yeah. I, it was super cool at how that multiplayer mode was done. And that's similar to this one. Like, you hop in, you kind of blend in, you kind of want to go find the person and kill them. Where in Watch Dogs, it was kind of like the opposite. In Watch Dogs, you invade somebody's world, and you're like... Well, actually, no, it was about the same. You want to blend in, but you don't kill Aiden, if I remember correctly. You have a time limit. And Aiden was, like, scrambling to find you, but you look like a normal civilian. So you win if you just don't get caught. Yeah, so, like, I would go sit, like, in a car or something. and it, Or if, like, I got invaded, I'd be, like, looking for people sitting in the car just sitting there. I'm like, oh, that's a player. There's no way that's, that NPC is just sitting there like that. Yeah. It was a really fun game of cat and mouse. Yeah, and, and actually, if you think about that, too, whenever Juliana invades, it locks the tunnels. And so you either have to kill her and then hack the tunnel or hack the tunnel, don't kill her and escape. Uh, but it is fun because you have this thing where you can, uh, for her only, it's called Masquerade, uh, and you can go around to any NPC if you if you apply that slab, and you can go to them and you can just hit L1 and you'll take their face and swap their appearance. So the people could find you walking around as an NPC because you switch to, they, they look like Juliana, you look like them, and they may attack an NPC thing against you. Or you can sneak up on them because they don't realize you're Juliana. They think you're just a normal NPC. It's pretty cool. I really like the game. And I'm really surprised that they were able to pull off a really good online mode when they've, as far as I know, I don't think they've ever had online in their games. I didn't play Uh, a lot of Prey, but I'm thinking of going back and trying Prey again. I think, did Prey, okay, with the way Prey worked, I want to go back and play it too. Um, Because I played the demo when it came out. And the mimics in that game mm-hmm. that would have made for a sick multiplayer mode. Actually, almost that like prop hunt. prop hunt. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's like you're a, mim- a deadly mimic instead. Ah, God, that would have been cool. And there's so many cool weapons. Like, dude, can you imagine multiplayer in that way with a glue gun? That'd yeah. be great, dude. The glue gun was super cool. It was. Like for as much as I, I didn't end up beating that game, but I did like what I played. I just got disenchanted with it pretty quickly. But I don't know. I'm, I'm loving this so much. It's making me want to go back. Um. So yeah. My advice to everybody, play Deathloop and also that ending. The more I think about it and the more I've continued to play and get new dialogue pieces, whew, there's uh, there's some big implications. Yeah? So, you excited to play that on your Series X? Uh, I don't think it has to do with a sequel. It's more about something else. So. See, now I we'll want to know because I don't think I'll ever beat this game. But. I'll tell you off if you really... Well, we, because it may not matter anyway, but I'll tell you yeah. off camera. Okay, sounds good. When, when no one else can hear it, I don't, don't want to hear it. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we're going to go ahead and head into uh, the news for the episode. But before we do, remember this show is brought to you 
by you guys. So if you would like to support us with more than just your time, which I promise we are always very thankful for, consider heading over to patreon.com slash nartech and giving as little as a dollar per month. It helps a lot. Let's just do this show without digging into our own pockets. And we appreciate all of you who do so. Uh, so getting into the news, uh, we have... Uh, the first thing up, which was kind of what Saul was talking about, uh, revealed during last week's Nintendo Direct, we finally got a true reel for Yoko Taro's next game, Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars, after leaks had shown off the name and art a month or two ago. The game is a card-based RPG, calling it a card BG, because why wouldn't you, with <laughs> emphasis on the story. I wish that that's how they would have marketed it. You that would know? have been good. Uh, with emphasis on story. And uh, the game will release as a digital only title. So that's a little unfortunate on October 28th for 30 bucks. Great price, but a free demo is available now uh, that acts as a prologue to the story and can give you a taste of gameplay. So go check it out. That's what Saul said he played and enjoyed. Um, If that interests you at all, I love it. I love the idea even also the fact that it's like, if I'm not mistaken, Saul, Mm -hmm. the demo probably at least lets you do this. Is there like an overworld that you move throughout that has cards stacked on top of each other to play as terrain? Uh, well, they're not really stacked on top of each other. They're stacked next to each well, other. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. kind of like laid out uh, side by side. In yeah, the and they're like face down. So like when you step on one or step near them, they start flipping over, right? And then eventually like one will flip over and be like a treasure chest and you get to see what that is. And there's another one that flips over. I forget. It's like a, it's called like a rock rock or something. It's a, uh, it's just like a rock item and then, then a dice rolls. And if it rolls low, it becomes a monster. If it rolls high, oh, yeah, man. it's really cool. Okay. It's I, I think that this game is going to be a contender for one of my game of the years if it plays out like this. Yeah, like that's it, see I, I like that extra edition where it's like you're keeping the card theme throughout everything. Like because yes. I'm assuming that means that you're like a card that moves or at least you're a card that has an avatar that you move throughout the world with. Yep. And it's, like that's because that's kind of what it is. It's like your little like tabletop piece or whatever it is your crew. Um and eventually, like you'll just like in a normal world map in any like RPG game, you're traversing upon it. Well, you may move to a square that flips over that's normal terrain, but you'll random battle will happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what this game is, I was actually shocked because I didn't know anything about the demo going in, and I don't remember if the direct said this or not. Uh, but it is, in fact, a prologue demo. You are not playing as the main characters, mm-hmm. yeah, you're so, playing as a story that precedes the actual game yeah which is cool good use of demo right let me figure out the things without having to worry about spoiling anything yep that is all right well that's cool good uh next thing up life is strange remastered collection has received a new release date after being delayed now hitting on february 1st 2022 the remastered collection in case you didn't know includes the original life is strange and its prequel before the storm so hop on that whenever you want to if you've never played those games uh, it does not include life is strange 2 solid game though and true colors is out right now if you buy a certain edition of true colors you actually get the remastered collection included uh next thing up Ahead of its October 16th DC Fandome event, Warner Brothers Games and DC revealed the official key art for Rocksteady's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which will be receiving a new reveal during the event. Hopefully that means gameplay and not just another CG trailer. Otherwise, man, did they show this game way too early, but uh, we'll definitely see. Uh, So, uh, Chris, what do you think Mm. of that, buddy? Uh, I'm excited for this game. The key art is key art. Um... But the key, yeah, the key think, art is key art. <laughs> I think the game's going to be good. I like Rocksteady, and I like uh, I like the potential of this idea. Um, so, we'll see. in your mind, what do you think this game is like gameplay wise? If you had to put something on it without seeing anything yet, what kind of game would you consider this to be? 
With my wor- my worry is that this is the same type of thing as Avengers, um, and they don't pull it off because I I think Avengers is a good idea that they don't do well. So I, I hope <laughs> yeah. that they figure it out for this. Well, what would you consider Avengers? I mean, because it a, a looter shooter, but where you don't always have to be shooting. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a looter smasher, I guess. Mm, yeah, looter puncher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess you shoot depending on who you are, and I'm assuming in this game you would shoot depending on who you are, right? Yeah. I mean, like, what's Harley Quinn going to do? Shoot you, hit you with a hammer, blow you up somehow? <laughs> that <laughs> definitely not untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, at least maybe as Killer Shark, you can actually go through and and bite people's heads off or something. That'd be pretty cool. Nom noms. <laughs> did you so, watch? Uh, did you watch? Uh, either of you watch Suicide Squad I, yet? Saul did. The new one, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I intended movie. to, and then the day I went to go watch it was the day after it left HBO. So I was what like, What is well, wrong with you? Uh, you know, I never watched the original if it makes you feel better. I fell asleep to the original. That doesn't make me feel better. The original sucks. <laughs> Look, I, I intended to watch it. It'll be I back on HBO. I myself eventually. in the balls over and over again. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this looks interesting, but I don't know. It's the weird thing for me right now is that it's been so long since Rocksteady have put out a full scale game that I I feel like that builds a, a slightly weird expectation. But one, I'm not trying to hold them to because it's not. I'm not sure whose fault that is. I mean, they put out Batman VR, which was interesting, but it was some of these years spent on trying to figure out what game they were going to do next and proto. Excuse me, prototyping and. Warner Brothers just being like, nah. <laughs> yeah. The thing that you surprises know? me is that they're doing a game that's connected to Arkham, the Arkham games, but this isn't it. And that's weird. You know, because so, the Arkham series oh, is that been there. Said? I'm pretty positive. Oh, that's you're, saying, you're saying that the, uh, the game that's coming from Warner Brothers Montreal is yeah. part of the Arkham series. I got you. Yeah, Gotham, Knight, not Gotham Knights. Knights yeah, yeah, is yeah. Uh, part of the Arkham series. But this well, isn't. And the, the problem Arkham series that, is theirs. They're saying it's not. They're saying it's not connected to Rocksteady's Arkham games. Really? I because, thought it was the yeah. Okay, then I'm lying. Well, because people were talking about how it makes no sense that like Bruce is around. <laughs> like there, yeah. There's things that don't line up with the other games. Like Barbara's there, but she's not paralyzed. As yeah. presumably you know and but we know that in the arkham series she is so True. i don't know okay. I, I guess i was wrong i was always my interpretation was that gotham nice was a continuation well i would have thought so too so i don't blame you and i mean wb montreal were the people that did batman arkham origins well that was the weird part to me is that rock city acts like that game doesn't exist and then they're like but you can make the continuation if you want like well okay well, Seems yeah, weird. Arkham Origins is one of those games where like there's technically nothing that's not canon in it, but also yeah. the rest of the games don't rely on the story from that at all. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so is what it is, I suppose. Uh, we'll we'll I see. I mean, we got what half a month to figure out what this game will actually be. If yeah, about, I again hope it's some type of gameplay. Yeah, they need to. I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of the evil superhero thing. Like Injustice, I think is one of the better comic book stories. Sure. Yeah. So I hope that they pull this off. I really do. 
All right. See, next thing going up, many months ago, outlets and YouTubers were expressing concern with a CMOS, CMOS, whatever, battery issue present in both the PS4 and PS5 that when the internal battery died, the system would have games crash on startup and wouldn't let trophies pop uh, as the internal clock had no way to determine when they happened. Sony promised to look into a fix and a new PS4 update seems to make good on that promise as update 9.0 has games playing without issue, even with a CMOS battery dead and even allows players to own tro- earn trophies. Um, though the trophies continue not to show a time or date of earning, which is pretty interesting. Play all of your trophy list uh, on a dead CMOS battery PlayStation so no one can know when you earn them. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. guess you could. I mean, you can uh, do that imagine. now, just going offline. I mean, but your PlayStation still has an internal thing of it. And then whenever That's you fair. upload, it shows when you earned it. You know what I mean? Fair. So uh, PS5 will likely see a similar update if it wasn't already hidden in the latest thing, because this wasn't even something that Sony put out and were like, hey, we did this. Somebody just happened to be on Twitter and be like, hey, my PlayStation 4 that wasn't working is now working and earning trophies with a dead CMOS. Uh, Apparently, what's funny is the guy who was talking about it said the date that the PlayStation reverts back to when the battery is dead is like 1964. Oh, my (laughs) God. Yeah, it was something. It was somewhere in the '60s. It might have been '69, but I was. I remember thinking, "What an odd date for a computer system to fall back onto." Yeah, which means it had to have been hard coded in there for it to be like, if you don't recognize a date, just say it's 1964. <laughs> Wait a minute, is the PS4 part of like a meta for Death Loop right now? Is that what's going on? I think so. Oh, like this knows? is advertising for Death Loop. <laughs> yeah, deep, deep advertisement. Uh, speaking of that, actually, and being meta, Sony's cross-gen games continue to have varying ways of handling save transfers, and Kojima's re-release of Death Stranding is probably the most odd, as it requires you to download the PS4 original, trek to a delivery terminal within the game, go into the settings there to select save transfer, and be sure that you have no existing jobs open before transferring. Now, an already odd way of handling this that you've just heard gets potentially frustrating with some jobs when you cannot cancel out of them. Some of them require that you finish them in order to actually clear them from your list, meaning that you might have to actually play the game for a couple of hours before you can transfer it over. And the argument here for this being Kojima at his normal Kojima meta self as plenty of people before here have have specified and, and talked about, is that Kojima has gotten so meta that in his game about delivering things, you have to literally deliver your <laughs> PlayStation 4 file to your PlayStation 5. <laughs> I really like it. I don't know. I don't think it's wrong. funny. Is it weird and obtuse? Yes. But the more I think about it, I feel like this had to have been purposeful. Yeah, it seems like it very much fits the theme and everything. Uh, well, you know what? We're blue point or blue point where uh, blue box lets us down. Kojima comes back around. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Sadly, Maybe that he was involved back. in all that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe when blue box lets you down, it ends up being Kojima coming around. So <laughs> just to let still, you down, we still don't know. <laughs> yeah. Kojima comes out. I, I'd like to announce that, Blue Box had nothing to do with me and that they've gone under as a studio. Their it would, would be coming. funny as if he goes, uh, yeah, I was working with Blue Box. Uh, I don't work with them anymore. <laughs> 
Oh my dude, what if this would have been the the thing where when you go into the game and you go to transfer you save and you do, suddenly your system tells you that there's been an update to the blue box abandon app and when you load it in, oh my god. Dude, that actually would have been pretty sick if that I mean, no way that that would happen, but that would have been well, I say no way. That could have happened. You could have made it to where it's like check to make sure that this has been transferred before you download this update. They could definitely do it. At this point, I put nothing past Kojima and Sony. Nor, nor do I. It would have been more funny if this time around it really was just like, guys, just quit and let us use the name at this point. Like, <laughs> it was never actually connected, but now they're going to make it connected. That would be pretty good, too. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Wasted opportunity there. H- Hassan, what have you done here? If that is your real name. <laughs> if that Hassan is your- fake him on. Mm. Yeah, that looks... Uh, That was cool. I mean, I think it's a weird way of going about it. I intend to get back around to this game. I just don't know when. I know Saul wants to play it too. I absolutely. I'm going to play it. I was telling Brett that like that game came out uh, right around like the time that like Thanksgiving was happening, Mm -hmm. and where we work, we actually were fortunate enough to be able to get um, like Black Friday and Thanksgiving off. So that work week always ends on a Wednesday. So that work week for me, like Wednesday night was like Friday night, and I started into Death Stranding. Thursday was Thanksgiving. uh, Played more of it there. Friday, I played it all day up until me and Brett went Black Friday shopping. And then, of course, Saturday and Sunday played it more. And like that was a fantastic experience. So I'm super excited to play it again. So it's been two years, but is is this going to be like your bi-yearly seasonal game now? Every two years, you get a little Death Stranding kick? (laughs) It's... For me, Kojima games are, are kind of rough to play um, over and over and over again. It's too close to part. And honestly, if this was not coming out in the state that it's coming out in, I probably wouldn't be replaying it this soon. Oh, like with new things to experience within it? Yeah, and that's that's kind of why for me, like I think that even though, you know, Metal Gear Solid 5 is not a fantastic Metal Gear game. I still think it's a fantastic Metal Gear game in the regards of like, I could replay this. I have the freedom to, to be able to kind of do like what I want to. And I think it's fantastic in that regard. Well, I'll give it this. While I don't love it as a Metal Gear Solid game, um, it kind of reminds me of why I think Deathloop, and, and, in, and in a similar way, right? Since it's an open world, whereas Dishonored's more kind of hub-based. But... It's it's that same thing where it doesn't feel weird to just hop in and screw around. Yeah, like if I that's what makes Deathloop work so well. Normally, I would be like, oh, I don't want to play Kena because I'm still trying to finish Deathloop. But it, I can play Kena all I want and then come home for lunch one day and be like, I don't want to get too far into Kena in the middle of lunch and be weighed down. So I'll just hop into Deathloop and try and knock out a few trophies and have a good time. Yeah, you know. Or just have a good time if you're not worried about trophies. You know, it's an easy game to continue to play. If matchmaking, if people weren't able, to, I, I wish you couldn't turn off the ability to be invaded. Uh, like you had to do it the really complicated way, go and literally disconnect your PlayStation while you're playing it. <laughs> because I think that that would be a fun lunchtime thing. Come home on lunch, cook your food up, and then sit down and just invade two or three times and have a good time. But. I like oh, the no. idea. I would personally absolutely hate if they if you couldn't turn that off. Oh, I know that people would, but I mean that's kind of what Dark Souls does. I mean, Dark Souls three, you're either online or you've turned your system into offline mode, and that's kind of what it is. I'm not wrong, am I? So no, I know that Bloodborne had a non-connected. That's the only game I can think of in the series that has had a single-player mode where 
you could not, you were completely disconnected. No, Bloodborne, you can invade. Oh, you, you can invade, but you could also play the game without being online at all. There was a, uh, there was offline mode for that game. Like, well, there's, the all, there's, there's offline mode for all of them. There is. That's what I was trying to remember. Default. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember default, you, it's on. And, uh, oh, yeah. But you're saying you have to go into the settings to turn yes, it off? Yes. Like, well, okay. So, like, you have to so go I could the just password protect my game, right? You could do that, or you could just make it so that, um, like, if you have friends to play with, you'll password protect it. But if you don't, and you don't play at all, you just go in there and turn it to start on, start in offline mode. Ah, see, Bloodborne has it literally just in the opening menu. You just either click online or offline. Um, so whereas this game makes it a point to show you at the very top right at any given time when you're in your in between stages, yeah. uh, you can just go and click it and you just cycle through. There's three options online mode, friends only. Or single player, and you can still get invaded by Juliana on single player, but it's AI, so it's not nearly as difficult. You know what I mean? Mm. And it doesn't always happen. Like literally, you can go through an entire thing, and it just she just doesn't hunt for whatever reason. Um, but I don't know. I find that so boring. Like that's when you the one time you get hunted in the tutorial is AI, and then every yeah. other time, if you have online mode, it'll be people, and uh, that's that's where the goodness happens. So I'm gonna give it a shot. I, I hope you do, but I mean, if you don't, trust me, it happens. <laughs> Act Razor time, baby. Act Razor. Uh, okay, see, next thing up, uh, Sucker Punch continue to support the ever-popular Ghost of Tsushima multiplayer experience, Ghost of Tsushima Legends, uh, with Legends receiving a new survival map this week called Twilight and Ashes. An additional new map is coming Friday as well on October 1st, and it's based on Iki Island. Um just good news for you. You don't have to worry about fighting Edward or Jacob in this. It's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's just there. That's good news. That's yeah. It's good news. I would love to fight Jacob, the pedophile. This is the skin of a monster. He is a monster. He's disgusting. Freaking creep. <laughs> so Chris, you know how we we, I loved twilight because it's the most, ironically funny movie I've ever watched. Like yeah, unintentional absolutely. comedy is the best one I've ever seen. Um, 10 out of 10 movie. I think that me and my wife are going to start binging through all of the twilight movies. Yeah. Because I told her, I thought I'm either going to have a, a similar situation where every movie is hilarious to me or the movies will actually get a little bit better. The movies <laughs> like, do actually get better from a serious standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if any other film in this or any other scene in this entire film series, of course, I haven't seen, but I don't know if anything could match how much I was laughing during the baseball scene. The I baseball just, scene is an all time great movie scene. It like, is so funny. Taxi Driver, Twilight, Inglorious Bastards, Interstellar, same, <laughs> all same. Wait, look, guys, wait around until midweek matinee comes back around. We're waiting on one thing, and we should be back around, and I would say around 15 days. We'll see how that actually ends up working. Yes. Uh, but I'm excited because we'll, uh, that's going to be our new thing. Is it's going to be one week. It's going to be a Marvel movie, and the next week is going to be the Twilight. next Twilight. I'm <laughs> more than happy. I'm more than happy to eschew the Marvel movies and to, do to the rest of the a couple of uh, Twilights in there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, next thing up, God of War Ragnarok uh, looks to shake up gameplay by opening up how players handle their loadouts. One uh, way that they want to facilitate that is by including different shields with different defensive properties and abilities. So kind of going all the way down to how you choose to defend yourself, build your Kratos up the way that you want to. I think for gameplay, this could be cool, and it's definitely leaning a little more RPG than the first game. 
But from a lore standpoint, I'm curious how this is going to play out. Because if you remember, the shield is part of that gauntlet he wears on his right arm that mm-hmm. his wife gave to him on like the, I think it was the anniversary of the day they met or something like that. That's um, and I'm curious how they're going to play that out. Is it going to be that you're just changing the shield that's inside of the gauntlet or giving it like a different property? Like, are you just basically magically switching it to a different version of the same shield that has different abilities and whatnot? Or I don't I mean, know. I would think something along those lines. Because the games have always done a really good job of making sure that Kratos' things that he has carry with him from game to game. Like, of course, yeah. the Norse mythology is him restarting. But in the other games, if you got like the Golden Fleece or whatever, you would always have that. Like, you had it in three from the get-go. Um, so, we'll see what happens here. Uh, next thing up, Sackboy A Big Adventure is receiving the usual Little Big Planet take on Sony exclusives with Ellie and Abby costumes hitting the game via update today as we are recording. Um, I It looks from everything I can see that this is 100% free. That's pretty cool. Um, good game, too. Play it if you haven't. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. lastly, it's the last of us day also today. <laughs> so while we're recording before the reveal of the new content that Naughty Dog teased, we may be getting a look at the new multiplayer game or something else uh, that we'll have to check out afterwards. Quick, both of you, what do y'all think it is? Do you think it's actually multiplayer or do you think it might be just some story-related stuff? Story DLC. I hope it's story DLC because my buddy was telling me about a leak that came out. And if it's called what the leak says it is, it would be the funniest thing of all time. I hope it happens. Well, now the I leak, know, Chris. The leak was oh, that yeah. it, was, uh, it was a Tommy and Joel DLC called Brotherly Love. And I was like, that is the funniest thing ever. Okay, look, to be honest, in a time period where people are mad about how you've handled The Last of Us 2, yeah. a good way to kind of get a little bit of browning points back for the no, people no, here's why. who did This automatically makes me mad. This is not going to give you browning points. I why? think it depends on how it's done. Yeah. Because I, and actually, well, doesn't this feel fair, really in line with the, the, the Last of Us... Um, Left behind. Left behind. The idea of like, we're going to take one character from this game and go off and have a more intimate story with them and someone else. I can't say exactly why I don't want it to, or I don't want it to, but I, I think that that's not going to give me brownie points specifically because I just, I'm about to avoid this topic entirely without a major spoiler. I got you. That, that seems fair. But I just feel like that. Hold on. Is it the spoiler from the first 10 minutes of the game? Just so we can have that context and. What, what do you mean 10 minutes? Yeah, there's. You, you know what I'm hour? talking about. I'm being very pedantic yes. about it, but the beginning yeah. of the game. Right. Okay. So then, uh, now that we all know, okay. I, I, do you mean just proceed on? Well, I, no, because I, 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 I what I'm, I'm going to say is yeah. going to spoil the game. Yes, yeah, okay. it's still going. Yeah, to spoil it's that. going to just if, if that's what it is. Then I felt like that could have fitted in the main game better than DLC. I'll just say it that way. I, I don't. It depends on the story you're trying to tell. It, it does, but like once again, I feel like. I, no matter what, I think the story they're going to tell is going to be fantastic. The story for two, I don't see how that would have benefited the game. I, I, I mean, the only thing that would have benefited is one thing. Well, you just contradicted yourself because, in my opinion, DLC is supposed to complement the game. So but it's supposed by, to be by, an extra story that this is the DLC is its own separate story the, arc, right? But the way I view a DLC is is that it, it the DLC it could also fit into the main story at the same time. If it's DLC from the main story, that it could also fit in the main story. Well, would yeah, you consider not, Left Behind to be main story? Do what? Like the the first one left behind the first DLC for the first last. Would I consider it part of the main story? I mean, yeah. it has to be. Well, it's part of the game world, but it's not part of the Last of Us one story. It's not no, part it's, of. But those it's part of the main story as a whole. Yeah, everything well, that, that comes out. The, the comic book is part of the main story right. as a whole. So in that regard, I don't. I still think that the game that you make, The Last of Us two, needs to be the story they're trying to tell, which they definitely did. 
I don't see how that would actually play into it as part of that game, if that's what you're saying. And if you're not, then I, I just misunderstood you. Well, because it's like the Black Cat DLC from Spider-Man would fit the story, but it's not necessarily... It, I don't think it would have it wouldn't paced improve. the game well. Well, yeah. that's, all, that's, all, that's, all, that's all I'm saying, is that I think that the DLC could have fit in the story. Like, like no matter what... For me personally, and you don't play a lot of DLC, like so. This is something. Yeah, that, I, I don't. I'm, I'm that we don't talk about often. That. But I think that if you have DLC, like Shivering Isles or mm-hmm. Knights of the Nine, mm-hmm. if it's in my opinion, if it's good DLC and it's involving the main characters of the main game in any form or fashion, then that DLC could be rolled back into the game somehow, and it still work out fine. And that's how I typically like DLCs. Like I think that, like what Chris said with Black Cat, Black Cat could have been put into the game. Now that game already had pacing issues, bad pacing issues. Spider Man did. I so yeah, I, agree, this, I, agree. I, I, I that game had horrible pacing issues. Well, okay, but it was all because of one design choice. It was, yeah, and that's that's what that's to me is what makes it bad. It had nothing one to do with the actual it story. It, it had to do with the game itself getting. But anyways, in some way, but, yes. but the 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 story that it tells at the end of the day could fit into the actual game, right? You mean that the black cat making sure I'm not losing? Yeah, them. any I mean any any good DLC in my opinion, any good DLC that that you tell fits back into the main game well. If well, it doesn't, then at that point it's some kind of side like I would consider it a standalone DLC. Which that does ha- well, standalone just really means that you don't have to have the main game to do it. But that's what I, I'm saying. But fair enough uh, in the sense because like a good example of what you're kind of talking about in the way that it doesn't tie back in because it just Death of the doesn't. Uh, Death of the Outsider, which is not even DLC. That's really just a Standalone. completely that's different game. Uh, but the one that came to mind was Infamous Festival of Blood. And this is not a spoiler at all because, first of all, I don't even know if you can still find and play that game. It was great and I love it. But it was standalone DLC for Infamous 2 where you played as Cole hunting vampires inside of New Marais. And that has zero to do with the main story. And at the end of it all, it's revealed that this was all like just a, a Zeke fever. telling a story yeah. to girls at a bar to try and pick up chicks and, and using that, Cole. And, that kind of as thing. and I actually really love that. It was yeah. really good. But like, let's go back and think of like even the Knights Wait, of the Nine thing, right? Can, if you look at Oblivion and you use Knights of the Nine or even the Shivering Isles, I don't think in the middle of the, which those games are also different because they're not linear games they are completely open and you tackle them how you want so let me change let me, okay let's, let, let's really go back towards specifically the last of us one because it's a good example of yeah. i don't know in the storyline of the last of us one game and how the game paces that out and gives it to you i'm not sure that there's any cho- any point in that game where you could have just taken every bit of the left behind and then just suddenly inserted it there and it wouldn't have made the game's pacing worse Can, for something that could have been told well, as no, a separate story. No, and I'm not story saying arc. throw it in the middle of the story. I'm yeah. just saying like like that because Left Behind could have been put at the end of the story. I mean, and I guess it could have, but then wouldn't that, uh, wouldn't that be worse ahead, than Chris. the ending we got? Chris is trying to get yeah, caught ahead, Chris. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get a hold on our conversation here because I don't, well, the way this conversation is going, it makes me sound like the Joel DLC is the perfect DLC, so I'm very confused on what's what the issue where uh, whether or not I think uh, and Saul tell me if I'm wrong on this okay but I think the conversation that Saul and I are having at this particular moment is about how DLC can work or in his mind I think should ideally work is that the story the DLC tells can fit into the story that the right. game told so that's what I'm that's what I'm asking is like why 
is okay. like what's the is the diff, the issue so with the because of Joel and Tommy further, further clarification just to make sure because this is again where my brain is at and right. I think I might be I might be grabbing on to something wrong. Are you saying that you'd literally take the story, the gameplay, every bit of that DLC, pick it up and just put it in the game wherever it be? And that's what you think a good DLC should be? Like it, it could have been originally included in the original game. It a, it, yes. And that's what it sounds like Joel could be. That's what I'm just saying is that it seems like the Joel DLC, like correct me if I'm wrong, that DLC, the way it's going to be told, has to be told as prequel DLC, correct? It can't be told the way the, the story is. I mean, I would imagine that obviously. they would, yeah, they would have, they would do, just like Left Behind was prequel. Right. I mean, it's, it's literally just trying to give you more standpoint on characters. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, that's, that's what I think that, would make this DLC like work well. I'm just irritated that it it wasn't part of the full gamer initially. Well, see, but that, that goes back to my Last of Us Left Behind thing, where in my and this is still just my opinion at this point. But I don't, even though the Left Behind story is really good and cool, it is. I don't. I would hate to have seen that in any shape or form included, unless it was naturally worked in. And even then, I don't know that it would have helped because I it's guess, such a different story and it's meant between two other people's and, and two other people in their connection. And it doesn't play into the major overarching themes of the last of us. I guess one. the way so, I should phrase this is that this shouldn't launch separately. Like I'm not saying throw it into like act two here. Like you have to do like Final Fantasy 15 with the way that, that story works of like watch King's Glaive up to chapter eight. Oh, and yeah. Chapter eight, finish King's Glaive mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that like this would have been really cool to launch with the game. So like See, where, I, okay. where two is still its own thing and then you can go off and play yes. this as an extended just like that. story. Just, just like Left Behind. And, so DLC. <laughs> but Left Behind didn't come until a, a year later. Not with the, not the PS4 version. Though. Yeah, the PS4 version, it was just happened to that's, be that's remastered. Yeah. But yeah. And it seems like this is so, coming so quickly after that it would feel like that that could have come with the game and been like a, a separate little side thing. I mean, a year? Yeah, it's yeah. not close. It depends on how That's long. exactly how long it took him to do this. I don't know. Time, I, I'm this confused is a very because, because we just talked about Spider-Man being horribly paced. And I think The Last of Us 2 is one of the worst paced video games I've ever played. And I, you want to put more and, content and into for the, the same Last reason as a Spider-Man in terms of one design decision. Like, yeah. like Chris and I talked about, there's one thing you could change about that game to actually improve the pacing, in my opinion. Just like in Spider-Man, you'd improve you the pacing. Take, yeah, if you t- just stop the, having the game tell me I've got to go be Spider-Man yeah, give for you the freedom to continue on the story missions in Spider-Man. That's literally what would fix that problem. Yeah, I, I see. That's why I didn't. I don't have that issue with Spider Man because I did all the side stuff. So he would say that, and then the next mission would pop because I already did the stuff. Well, I did a lot of that, but there were still just times where it was like I've got to swing around for five to seven minutes, screwing around being Spider Man before it's finally like, okay, I guess we'll let you play the next mission. But the thing see, that the doesn't problem, bother me, he's Spider Man. He's supposed to do that. <laughs> well, the problem with that though is Insomniac's story was so well done that it would end, and it was like. Uh oh, what's Doc Ock about to do? And then, then he'd get out of the rift. I'm like, I guess I better go upgrade my suit. Yeah. No, no listen here. Listen, <laughs> listen. Let me yeah. go see what Doc Ock is up to now. I don't want to go upgrade yeah, my that's suit. So dumb. I want to jump into this story. It ruined, it ruined the tension of like, there was, it felt like there was no urgency because it was like wait this is a, like this doesn't actually happen but it's like Doc Ock is about to kill a cat. Well, I guess before I go handle that, I'll just go and save a couple people and upgrade my suit. <laughs> it's like, see, bro, you could have went and saved the cat. See, okay. but Let's not lose the forest for the trees. Here. Yeah, yeah. And let's, and let's, we're going to um, automatically just end this conversation in a second, <laughs> just keep going because we did this last episode. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, it's like, in defense of The Last of Us 2, if this game, if this was launched sooner or earlier, or if they've been, they obviously had to work on this towards the end of the game, 
or right after. I would imagine, yeah. But that would have stopped so much negative criticism for the game, in my opinion. Well, I mean, that might be true, but I think that that can but still I, happen retroactively. No, I don't think it can. I think that the what? people, uh, and I'm going to be, no, I'm not going to be that mean about it, but the people that hate the game for the reasons they hate the game are going to hate the game regardless on if they change stuff. Because that's the type of not. people that those people, what do you mean? They're not changing anything. They're just adding story. I mean, it's the, first of all, this isn't even like it's just a a, a joke. It's I a heard, basically. Right. Yeah, but, but but they would change. They would change something specific. It would be. I we're gonna have to have this conversation. It, it's gonna off have camera. to be off camera. Yeah, yeah. because so, but that, to that end, thing. we'll move along. <laughs> yes, we'll move along. But that's a, the people that hate the game for the reason I'm talking about. I'm not. I'm surprised you haven't picked up on it. I hate the reason the, the game for the reason you're talking about. On That's top why of it I, being hate, oh, I hate purpose game, on but, top of it being poorly paced. But 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 you don't think more of? We'll just talk about it later. No, but I don't. The the one thing I'll tell you right here is that one year out, The Last of Us Two continues to be a divisive game. <laughs> it does. Listen, our audience apparently likes when we fight, so it's That's fine true. to have an argument. All right, boys, y'all ready? I'm about to drop an elbow. <laughs> Hold on, let me, let, for people who listen only. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact: If you took Bone a saws, ready? <laughs> if you took a if you took a nail file and you took it and scraped it across Brett's elbow, it oh, sounds dude. like you're throwing sand in a blender. It's so bad, and I don't understand. It's the only part of my skin that gets this way. It's amazing. Post a picture to Discord for posterity. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so if for whatever reason you're a huge Last of Us fan and you want to go buy some new merch, then go do it. You got new stuff because of it always, as usual, being the Last of Us Day. Outbreak, Outbreak Day was a much better name, by the way. It was. I yeah, don't. I think I don't get that that choice from a marketing standpoint. Also, hold on, that goes for anything, in my opinion. I don't like Spider Man Day. It could be Web Slinger Day or something, but don't just call it the like. It's lazy. Make it clever. Yeah, that. Outbreak Day f- sounded so much more fitting, but I guess it's more it's more universal. I guess people don't know, inherently think it's the Last of Us. Maybe weird. No, I, that's I, I think that's what it is. It's, I, I can't I'm sure. It. Anyway, there's new stuff. There's knitted beanies, flannels, rain jackets, some guitar picks, straps, stuff like that. So if you want to go be uh, the Last of Us biggest fan, then you can. They go, also announced a statue uh, bye bye bye. of Joel that was made by Dark Horse. Oh, that that's looks pretty, pretty good, actually. Yeah, that's pretty good looking. Yeah, five hundred dollars. All right, boys. So that leads I'm, I'm kidding, us. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not wrong. Do you know how much statues cost? It probably isn't I'm to, because I'm this, to this out a is price. the same people that did the collector's edition uh, statues. Two hundred dollars is actually what I was thinking because I think the LA statue separate from the collector's edition they had a separate one. It was really close with like 130 or 150. And it's 14 inches and a quarter tall. So yeah, I mean the uh, the LA statue is fairly large. Um, did you move her? No, I don't, didn't think I did. I may have actually had to put it up. I ran out of room. Oh, no, it was sitting right here. Sitting on our table for a while. I don't know what That's I what did I with doing. it in the long run. <laughs> it may be back in the box at this point. Oh, it's down there. She big. I knew she was I knew she was behind me somewhere. She's a big big girl. Um so that leads us to the main topic which came courtesy of Saul's brain. It was a, it's his brain baby. So Saul, take this opportunity. So I well, like hearing, I'm going to go pee. I kind of already know the thing, but yes. just go ahead. I like hearing about weird obtuse games because often t- often those appeal to me the most. And I could honestly thank Slay the Spire for that because when somebody told me it's like a turn-based card deck building like RPG I fell in love with that thought process and then inherently fell in love with the game. 
so when the ta- uh, the trailer for the Dragon Isles came out, the new Yoko Taro game we were talking about. Um, actually, no, hold on. Brett has messed us up. No, because we didn't do community's cake. Yeah, Brett. We're, 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 we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to come back on that. But last week we asked you guys the same topic we discussed at the end of the show. Um, uh, do you think Naughty Dog are still working on a new multiplayer of the Last of Us experience? And if so, do you think it'll be a standard multiplayer experience like the original? Or will it aim to go toe-to-toe with COD slash Apex with the games as a service model? Can it compete? Over on Discord, one of our buddies... That's the fastest P I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, one of our buddies and Patreon users, Josh, he says, I think they are doing a big multiplayer game. Will it go toe-to-toe with Call of Duty? No. But it will have a solid fan base and support to get it through. If you jump on The Last of Us Remastered right now, you can get a game easily. And that is something that I actually meant to bring up last episode, but we were running so strict for time. Is I do find it cool when the game still has like a niche player base that's still playing. Like there's probably a subreddit dedicated to literally these last like 500 people that are playing this, that, that somebody that is playing it made. But at the same time, I hate seeing the same people over and over again. We're playing a multiplayer game. It's like you, Yu-Gi-Oh. You kind of mentioned that. On Yu-Gi-Oh Pro. Well, no, I'll say I, I do find it cool. Like, it's cool yeah. to think about that the game still thrives because of a dedicated group. Uh, it's like Yu-Gi-Oh Pro. If you're hosting a game, you'll see the same people join over the course of like four or five different days. It's true. Yeah. People uh, who are trying to play constantly. Yeah. Uh, by the way, yeah, I, I realized yeah. That as I was peeing that I skip, completely skipped it. Well, I was so I focused on peeing that my brain was like just... Main topic, go. <laughs> I got you, don't worry. Uh, another Discord and Patreon friend of ours, Safe Dog, he says, I'm sure they have big multiplayer plans underway that Naughty Dog is waiting to spring on us, but Naughty Dog has been hit and miss for me with multiplayer. I really enjoyed the multiplayer for Uncharted 2, but not so much of The Last of Us Factions, which I've heard that I've heard that a few times. Dude, Uncharted 2, people love that game. Uh, Brennan, Brennan loved Uncharted 2's multiplayer, but he hated Factions. Yeah, and um, people hated Uncharted. People who loved Uncharted 2's multiplayer hated Uncharted hated 3's. 3's That's what I heard. Which is real similar, dude. PS3 era, games were like, from game to game, complete switch up of multiplayer modes. Whereas like Call of Duty was holding stead and fast and being like, we're going to have the same game modes, but with like slightly different mechanics within different them. Different maps and so like that. Dude, Uncharted 3 is nothing like Uncharted 2's multiplayer, and Killzone 2 and 3 multiplayer are vastly different. Kills, I mean, Resistance 1, 2, and 3 all have vastly different multiplayer modes. It's weird. Resistance, yeah. Not resistance kills him, but never mind. Uh, he said he goes on to say though, to each their own. If anyone could compete with uh, Apex and COD, it's Naughty Dog. I think they are good enough to come up with some of the game changers in the battle royale games as a service genre. But I think I missed a comma there. But uh, just a, but I just question. Oh, huh, but I just question if they want to go this route or stick with some standard multiplayer modes. Um. Let's see, rude yeah. days. Oh, Real quick on that before we do rude days, I think that the interesting thing here is I am not 100% sold one way or the other on which one they're actually going to do. I think the majority of last week's conversation internally was that if they chose to go, go games as a service, how well would it handle? Like, how well would it hold okay, up? So then, like, and I, I think that, that I speak, okay, Chris, does that sound right? I mean, do you kind of agree? I don't, I'm not saying it's absolutely going to be one t- style or the other. It's just the viability of each one was more of what we were discussing, yeah. Yes. Well, and that's that. That's what I tried to say all along. Like last week was that, like, yes, they will be successful, but they just won't stand the test of time like these other brands do. Because, and and 
Which, I mean, if you want to argue standing the test of time to Call of Duty, then nothing's going to do that because Call of Duty has been reigning supreme well, in multiplayer. I also think that it's, for, it's Naughty Dog would rather pour their resources into 2006? Yeah, even if they offload it. I mean, when did Call of Duty hit big, Chris? You may know the answer to that. Call of Duty 2 on Xbox? Call of Duty 4, 2008. I mean, I know it hit real big there, but it was pretty big for 2 and 3 on 360, wasn't it? 2 was really. massive on 360. It was it big, might. but it wasn't Call of Duty. So if nothing yeah. else, we're talking like 2006. It was, then, it was right? a 360 launch maybe? that had like online capabilities. But yeah. um, Rude Days, 93, he says, they are working on multiplayer, but I don't think it will be a Battle Royale like Warzone or Apex. It will be a bigger scope than last entry, and I think it'll have some sort of story that is baked into it. Would love it. This, I feel, is the best course because I don't think Sony would want their best studio to be continuously updating a game, especially when you consider how long it takes for Naughty Dog to release new games. I don't want Naughty Dog to become like Rockstar, who we have no idea is releasing their next game and continues to have Grand Theft Auto V. Well, Rude Days, I think one thing we were discussing is that it is entirely possible that they would offload this to another studio to work on the multiplayer with. Yeah, I mean, so many studios legitimately do that. That that's yeah. that is what would happen. That's not even really a question. If it can, lasted that long, I can think of a quadruple, quadruple A studio that did that. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know we didn't want really to talk about that, but I guess we can kind of intervene real quick just to fill Saul in on what's going on. Uh, so, the initiative, uh-huh. which is the studio that do Microsoft, yes, I was saying, do not explain to me who the initiative quadruple A yeah, for for listeners as well. Okay. Uh, announced that they are not with an independent studio with a square enix wholly owned studio crystal dynamics Mm -hmm. is helping to make perfect dark now that doesn't make any sense but okay very weird (laughs) it is very weird. and like chris and i were talking about it'd be less weird if they were if which it also wouldn't be announcement worthy if if they just had some random third you know, completely independent studio or Microsoft satellite studio assisting them. But it is almost newsworthy to be like, hey, Crystal Dynamics, who's owned by a completely different publisher, is helping to make a game. It's so, objectively hilarious. Anyway, it is. <laughs> it, it, it's what it is is a cautionary tale as to why you don't let PR speak happen. Because if yeah. Microsoft would have never let the words, they're quadruple <laughs> A studio, leave their lips, this would not even really matter. Right. <laughs> um, That's absolutely true. Next entry is we have Sean one Neo. He says it's outbreak tomorrow night, so I think we'll hear something then. I don't want to say any more because I caused a massive debate last time. Well, hey, if it makes you feel any better, that's what the de- that's what the show is for, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that is true. We've often said before, like me, uh, especially with like me and Brett, is that like, and this is included with Chris now, obviously, but it's like these debates are not hateful arguments. No, we're still like we're still all buddies after the show. And I think that what was it that we and you got into? It was like early, early, early. And one of the YouTube comments, I wonder how it'd be it'd be hard to find. Somebody could find it, but it was like the YouTube comment was this show made it six episodes, they're gonna break up because of this argument. <laughs> and I was like, Do they not realize that like this is all like a conversation that like is done? Like we like back then we were going to get like food afterwards. Oh yeah, which is actually exactly what's gonna happen today. It is I'm pretty starving. sure at least. Uh but yeah, I think just, just to clarify on there too, I don't think that that means that we leave an episode and aren't sometimes annoyed at each other for something about it. Like, Saul, you can, you can tell whether or not this is true or not. I think Chris and I both had a feeling of last week you were a little frustrated because I think that you thought that we weren't understanding where you were coming no, the from. Only, the only thing that frustrated me last episode, and this goes, this is any pet peeve of mine mm-hmm. that happens, is like I'll explain an opinion mm-hmm. and then, and then, it feels like people keep adding on to it of like, I have, why do I have to keep explaining this opinion? <laughs> so to that, 
I think that what happened is, and I, I think it still came from a fact that you thought that we were misunderstanding or misrepresenting you, is that we weren't trying to add to your opinion so much as we were trying to add things to the conversation that may have pushed against your opinion, added well, to your opinion, but we weren't trying to say that they were your opinion. No, well, I know. But, or at least we weren't but intending typically, for that to happen. Typically, so. like with me in conversation, especially long-form conversations, I'll say my opinion and then stop talking. But you can't do that when people are continually addressing your opinion. I'm like, I don't know what else to say. I'm just going to keep repeating myself, which is what happened last And week. then you feel like you're talking in circles yeah. because technically you are. Yeah, so like yeah. that's that's one thing. But anyways. Um, so we got a couple hit- more here? Yeah. yeah, we do. All right, so these are from Facebook. We got Mr. Danny Candyman Villiobos, one of our patrons. Thanks, man. He says, I'm sure they're still working on it. Uh, I'll, it'll still play like the first, but I'd imagine they would add more modes to try to make it stand out. Or they'll add a Battle Royale mode with, I would guess, between 30 to 40 people to make the matches go by faster, as I'm sure people who still play the first multiplayer mode will come and play uh, this one. But it's competing, it, it is competing with giants like Call of Duty, Apex, and the likes. That'll be tough considering The Last of Us is much slower paced. Uh, yeah, my big thing is I, I still think that no matter what, we're either going to see really big multiplayer maps or we're going to see some kind of a mode that's meant to be like, we drop you into the Seattle map that we've already created. Maybe we edit it a little bit to be a little more multi-story based so that there's a little more verticality to the map. But that would make so much sense to me because of, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't think that game benefited that much from having that big open area. It was it was okay. It didn't detract from the game, but I don't think it benefited as much from that as a multiplayer game would benefit from that huge sprawling map with multiple levels and like a bridge and then under sections of the bridge. I think that could make for a really interesting Battle Royale style game. And if they don't do that, that's fine. But I I almost would argue that in their mind when they're thinking of this through, because they said they were working on multiplayer to some degree alongside the game, that their thought was this could be tweaked some and be used as part of the multiplayer. Has there ever been a game, like a multiplayer game, that's always online in the sense of it's an open world and that open world is evolving constantly, but it's only evolving because of the players that are online with it? So, Not like an MMO. So do you mean in the sense that like what the players do continues to stay? In a way, yeah. And like, build out? I think there's been... I can't put a name on it, but in my mind, I feel like I remember there being a game that what the players did in the world mattered to a degree until a reset happened. I guess to some degree, Rust does that. Yeah, I guess so. Until they have a server reset. It's not literally forever, but you have a game state that stays up until a time where they're like, at the end of this week, this two-week period, whatever it is, the server will reset and you'll start from scratch. Yeah, because I, I was thinking about like that open world in Seattle. Wouldn't it be cool like if the multiplayer, there's like obviously factions like normal, right? But like instead of having uh, Battle Royale, something I think would be interesting is like there is like that way you can explore through Seattle, but it's an online, or it's always online multiplayer too at the same time. So like these people who set up these bases... All around, so it's like you're literally as a human playing through with friends or by yourself through this like defunct world of Seattle, and there are people around at, all, at almost all times because it's always online that are there to defend, you know, their territory that so they set up. In, in a weird way, it would be kind of cool to see Naughty Dog do almost a Sea of Thieves like multiplayer, That's what I mean, to where yeah. you can be antagonistic toward everyone because you're on a server state, right? But you can also help each other if you choose to do so, and the world can kind of like like essentially like you could set up like. 
I guess it would have like rust like elements. Like you like you take a building, right? And you take a building over. And you could fortify and it. And you could fortify it in a way or something. And then like So basically Rainbow Six Siege. I'm gonna make sure I get all these windows covered, but that it's gonna would be, stay. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> and then events happen throughout the game world and like actual PvE style events happen. Like enemies. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be kind of interesting and, and have it to where it's like there are legit NPCs that still come so that you can be like uh, a, a wolf uh, thing is coming through this and it's got supplies so if you, the first people, you know, group or whatever it, it be to yeah. take it out can take the supplies back it to would, thing. It, that wouldn't fit in the, in the Last of Us but that'd be a cool idea just to have as a game. I think, not, it could, I think it absololutely could fit in the could, last. I think I it would think actually re fortify the idea of it being a faction because I didn't do it as well. I didn't do it to this degree in terms of building toward that. But if I remember correctly, it's been a little while. When you played factions, you chose a side that you wanted to be on, right? Yeah. And then for a seasonal period, you could, it, it, whoever was on that team, if they won, that team would do better and get more supplies and stuff. And then there'd be a winner at the end of that seasonal period, right? So you I, could kind of do that. I don't think it was like seasonal, but it, I, was it weekly? It, it, well, or bi-weekly? that's kind of what I mean. Like whatever whatever window they gave it. It's, it's been so long. Even if it was playing. once a month, there was a winner. That would be kind of cool. How reality-based that could actually come out to be, it remains to be seen. But if we really did want to see something that was like big industry tra- changing from Naughty Dog, I think that could be along those lines. So that's an interesting idea. So hmm. I don't know, Chris, you got anything to add to that? Not really. I think they'll just. I think it's going to be a mixture of modes. Like I said, I think this is a full fledged seventy dollars product. So I think it's going to be a lot more than anyone's anticipating. Which was well, I, that's to Saul's point too. That kind of gameplay and idea would absolutely make me not scoff one second at a seventy dollars price point. Yeah, because that's an interesting use of things. And if within that there's still other game modes like a battle royale or normal team deathmatch like factions was. I think that could work. Right, because uh, interestingly, thinking of the main topic, it wouldn't surprise me if this is almost like Act Razor in a way where it's God Sim, you build enough, uh, uh, I can't think of the word, a, a res- wherever Tommy was, something like that, because I can't think of what the <laughs> word off the top of my head. Yeah, I got you. But you have that and you're playing the multiplayer to build that up. That's what I think it is. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken... And I and I might be. I think there was an Assassin's Creed game that kind of had that idea for multiplayer, where you had a, for lack of a better word here, because I just can't think, you had a faction that you chose <laughs> to be part of. Oh, um, and was, was it three? I think so. And I think it was because I remember that Liberation on Vita had like an asynchronous multiplayer mode that played into that. And you could basically, as you did things, it would go, that would be kind of cool, Chris. Have it to where like you have the top layer faction, but then you actually have gameplay that affects it. You know what that kind of makes me think of? Did y'all ever remember, you may not have played it, but I, I know that y'all have at least heard of EVE Online, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you, during the PS3 era, there was an MMO shooter. Yeah, Deuce 514. Uh, Deuce, did I just say what? Dust hey, 514. Was that, Excuse me? Launch, was that also a launch PS4 title? Uh, no, uh, Dust, no, it was already gone by the time PS4 came, if I recall. It yeah. may have been around a little bit, but it didn't get a bespoke PS4 version, I don't think. I might be wrong on Assassin's right? Creed, by the way, just to interject. Uh, either way, that idea was like, it, it connected to the EVE multiplayer, 
and it was aware of what was happening in Eve, but it was still its own separate thing. But because of what was happening in Eve, it would affect what was happening on the ground. Cause it was almost like the idea behind dust was you're going to be the ground troops that you don't normally see doing things in the Eve universe when these conquerors. Oh, so it's kind of like a rip off of down. Warhammer stuff then. Cause that's what Warhammer does. Warhammer has its main thing. And then it has like, um, or I should say this 40 K has like this main storyline, but then it has, uh, what are those games? Like, it's like almost, um, there's Vermintide. And Vermintide stuff like that. Yeah. It's, now, which those like are games that are connected, but I think the difference here is that this was an online experience with other online players that connected to a different MMO and they affected each other. I want to. I want to say though that, like, which is a cool idea. The way Warhammer releases products is based around those choices in those games, though. That's cool. The data they use. That's cool. So, it, and if it's not, if it's not that, it's something else involving tabletops. It's more weird to me that I don't think Dust Five One Four did very well. Now, whether that was, I played it not very long, but whether that was down to poor <laughs> gameplay because it was developed by people who typically make. And I may be wrong. They actually may have done a satellite development studio, but if it was developed by the people who made Eve, it may have just not been that they, it, it may not have been a very good FPS. It may have been because it released. I think that that game came out and like really late though. Wasn't it like a 2013 game? I think so. So it was after the, uh, the hack. Maybe that's when I, yeah, played. May 14th, 2013. Was it free to play? I don't. Yeah, free to play first person shooter. I did download that on PS, and it yeah. was developed by CCP Games, which I'm pretty sure is a real developer for um, Eve. Eve. Yes, that might be why I was thinking that it was a PS4 game because I played it as one of the last PS3 games I had played before I got that PS4. Yeah, and it. Hold on, let me look right here. It may have gotten a PS4 release. I don't think so. No, PlayStation Three. It did not review well. Five point eight out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> So that sounds like that. But the thing is, is, just because an idea didn't work doesn't mean it shouldn't be tried again. You That's know? sick. Oh, that is so cool. Is that, is that the, the exclusive? They, oh, it's a vinyl. It's a vinyl, yeah. And the, it's some sick art. Yeah, and the, and the soundtrack for The Last of Us 2 is excellent, just like the soundtrack for The Last of Us 1 was. Good stuff. All right, uh, going on. Last thing we got here is from uh, Hussein Saeed. He says, I think they are still working on it, definitely. But they don't have to compete with Call of Duty or the likes of any other multiplayer game. All they need to do is add the Naughty Dog Touch and it will be successful, which I think is actually a pretty fair point. And it goes towards something that whenever I was waiting for the video to render back down and I kind of teased what it was with the thumbnail, and of course the thumbnail is provocative on purpose. It showed The Last of Us cut into Apex, cut into Call of Duty, and it said, can factions still compete? And the person asked, does it have to? And he said he talked about him being an example of like somebody who was drawn in who doesn't normally play those games. And I'm that exact person. And I said that last week. I don't play a lot of multiplayer, but factions drew me in probably because it was Naughty Dog, and I'm a fan of Naughty Dog, so it got me in the door quicker than other games would. Well, I kinda, and then I stuck around. And if if you get a sizable enough chunk of people like that, then I guess it doesn't really have to compete because it doesn't have to be pulling from those player base. It can actually pull from a bespoke player base that doesn't usually interact with these things, and it might find even long-term success from those people. It's hard to say. So not in the perspective of competing, but I actually brought that up last week with that exact same example, but using Days Gone players. Some people have played Days Gone just because of photo mode. Yeah. And like literally been drawn in because they saw a cool photo. I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like they've gone in and they've like, I've actually saw a Twitter user. I can't think of her name. It is a it's a famous screenshot Twitter user, and I'm sure somebody can point her out to me. But 
uh, she does a lot of in-game photography for stuff like this. And my whole point was, is like those player numbers aren't going to multiplayer photo mode. That'd be a terrible idea. It would be. Are you kidding? Uh, that would be awesome. It would like, be awesome. Pokemon Snap, like. <laughs> No, you run around in real time and put photo mode on, and while you're trying to take a quick selfie of yourself, somebody blows your head off at the time you take the picture. So you just get a <laughs> that would actually that be would fit sick. in with Borderlands, if anything. I can see that being some dumb stylistically. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, I could see that too. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't that the numbers were competing, and that it's it's. I, I made the point that it can definitely pull people in for that reason. Yeah, but that doesn't mean do that it. those numbers would be strong to compete. Yeah, it, that, that's a hard part to say. Yes. Because, I mean, even if you look at the, what The Last of Us sold, which I don't know the actual numbers, at one point, the first month, I think it was 4 million. So even if we use that early number, right, 4 million people who may or may not typically play multiplayer may push through and play this. Is 4 million enough? And Chris and I kind of had that conversation of what is a successful number. Uh, but we'll have to see. I'm really curious to see what it ends up being. I would definitely take story DLC, but... I'm a little curious to see if at the end of all this, are they going to do like what they did with Lost Legacy, where they go, it was bigger DLC, it was bigger than what DLC would be, so we made it a standalone game. Like, do we get a in, in a two year window or so? Do we get another Last of Us standalone game? That'd be interesting. Yeah, factions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and factions could meet both of those, right? It could meet the story DLC requirement while being the multiplayer, you know. Yeah. It's possible. I don't know. It's interesting to me because I think the funny thing is like I think every person got misinterpreted in that argument. I'm pretty time. sure. Yeah. Because my sure. argument was never that it was going to be successful or not. I just thought it was insane to think that Sony wouldn't invest in it. You know what I mean? Yes. So. Yeah. And and I do remember that being and of clear uh, clearly I think Sony would show the Sony have shown that they're going to invest in Naughty Dog no matter what. Apparently exactly. they they said in a press release that they they're announcing something at not a um yeah today PT. today yeah that's that was an hour and 15 minutes ago they haven't announced anything i don't know what's going on yeah that's i, I was like wait a second is my laptop off because like yeah i knew we started recording and whatnot before that so i wasn't worried about it we'll see what it ends up being <laughs> in post time we'll see uh but all right so saul do you want to take us into the actual main topic yes yeah, so anyways back onto the main topic <laughs> um I was talking about how like I love seeing these games that play in very oddball, wacky ways um, to like a new game. So like if you could come to me and say, there's this new side scroller, but every boss battle becomes a racing game. I'm like, what? That sounds interesting. I'm going to play that. Or, hey, here's a D&D tabletop game, but it's, at the same time, it's a card-based uh, dice rolling combat game. I'm like, okay. With a world map like Final Fantasy, okay, I'm in. Yeah. And I absolutely love games like this. Not that all of them are great, but I like the space they occupy in the gaming world. I think that that it is a very... It was at one point a very niche space that's kind of growing and growing. And any titles are the ones that are killing it. And I was curious just to hear y'all's perspective on it. And like, what are games that have come out of this kind of thought process and like what are some wacky games that don't exactly fit specific genres um, that can kind of genre bend and get away with it and they do it well and it's inspired of course by the Dragon Isles because that game like we were sitting there watching it and I'm just like it is literally a tabletop rendition of a high fantasy story made by Yoko Taro that is also told and narrated like Dungeons and Dragons 
but it has a, a an explorative world map like Final Fantasy that has turn based combat. That still kind of goes towards like a tabletop version of D anD D, like Pathfinder and stuff, right? Where you it move across does. the terrain. Yeah, and it's just like which is not typically D anD D based. Like some people do that. It's not. But yeah. The moment you start introducing that stuff into D anD D, you're really more like Pathfinder. Pathfinder. I don't know. Is well, it like somebody who narrates a story the entire time, like they do in D anD D? I don't know. I think Pathfinder may be more of like well. <sighs> Dungeons and Dragons kind of has that too, right? Where if you're not good at DMing yet, you can literally buy a book that has a DM story where you still control it, but it tells you your outline of like this is the scenario, this is what you're doing. Script though, no, it's definitely not a script. That's okay. It's just more of this is your world, these are your areas, this is your reference point. So it's it's like baby's baby's first DM (laughs) in a way. Yeah, it's rare we see games do this though. Yeah, because like. Technically, Slay the Spire could be a tabletop game, in a way. Like they could make, like they could, they could easily make a physical version of Slay the Spire. Might well, they I'm are. glad you brought up. Yeah, they I figured they what? would. So, I'm glad you brought up Slay the Spire because I was going to ask both of you, having not played it, I'll pre-order it right now. Of course, there's a similarity well, of of there oh, being. <laughs> of course, but of course, there's a similarities between the games of them being card based battling systems, but. How much more similarities could there be with that? Because, like, of course, the other idea is that it, that Slay the Spire is a card based turn or card based turn based system, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also a uh, roguelite. So, in that degree, is that where the comparisons end? Like, when you're moving through it, how much like Hades is it? Like, do you have a playable avatar that you move anywhere at all, or is it? So you have a playable character that is different because the cards that they have access to are different than the other characters. Okay, so, so you, you select a character at first. Yes, there's four characters, unless there's five now. Is there five now, Chris? Do you know? There's four. Five, there, yeah. There's five. Okay, there's Wait. five now. Because there's there's a standard three, and then they had the DLC. No, okay, character, there's only four is, then. Okay. Um, but yeah, you pick them, and then you get the standard deck. It's the same deck. It's the same amount of strikes and defense and like these sure. little specialty cards. And then you automatically start in this dungeon and and you kind of plot your course out, or you can. Some people don't, but like you just plot your course out and you kind of see like if I go this way, there's a mini boss here. Um, and then right behind the mini boss is a bonfire. And you can upgrade your cards at so bonfire. For visual purposes, because we've all played this game. Yeah. Is it an actual physical thing where you see your avatar? Or is it more like what Hades does when it zooms out and you're moving between? Where like you see the roadmap of here's me you zoom starting. Out. It's you. You're always is a you don't control your character at all outside of the it's card. That's what I figured. Yeah. It's more like you're going through nodes that you're seeing, yes. kind of like when Hades zooms out and it shows where you're first starting. But it's more like it moves you through those automatically. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Um. So and, that's where they're different. I was curious because I still don't know if I ever get around to slay the spire. It's not because ugh. I don't know. I don't. It's not even that I don't want to. I just I don't know where I'd fit that in right now, and the urge is not strong enough for that. But so I do think the idea is interesting. Where slay the spire excels is that you can play the same character in like three to ten different ways. Like uh, for an example, one of the uh, characters that are unlocked in the kind of early part of the game, one of the main characters, I should say, is poison based. Well, there are so many different ways that you can play her because she has like these shivs that cost no resources at all to use. Or you could do like a, a full on poison based um, uh, build where th- she has a, like she has these poison counters that tick up and do damage as they tick. 
And like you can afflict them with that and just pass turns back and forth and just let them take massive amounts of damage. So awesome. let me ask this. It is. And you could do that in different ways. Is the deck something that you have to draw from or is it more like the idea of a deck in Chain of Memories where you can rotate through your entire deck, but as you use cards, they leave the deck so you have to draw. and eventually... You have to draw because every every battle starts with like five cards. Okay. And then you use those five cards and then, in, then the turn ends. And those five cards go to a discard pile and then you draw another card. And if you're out of cards in your deck, your discard pile gets shuffled back in. So in a way, it's kind of like Hearthstone, but with a visual representation no. of what's going on. I, I mean, I'm, maybe I guess I'm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a not, deck builder. It's not yeah. like yeah, like you build a deck out, but then you're seeing all these things go on with actual characters that are based around the cards. Or yeah, it's not Hearthstone. Like I guess it's Hearthstone in terms of like the the mechanics of a card game. But it's yeah, not that's, that's what I mean. Card game mechanics. If you want like a real world example, just think of how like in the TV show like Yu Gi Oh. You know, yeah. where mm-hmm. he plays his cards and then the monster does something or the trap card is there. It pops That's up. That's all yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. Like you're seeing a visual representation of what the cards just really are yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. So like... Oh, well, Saul's got it on his computer. I actually Yeah, you start that. as ironclad and then like your deck is ironclad is the exact same. Is every single time. Every single time. Uh-huh. And eventually you're going to unlock more and more stuff that you can use, like choose a card to obtain, obtain three random potions. You lose all your gold, you could retain, uh, obtain a random or a relic. So like, I mean this in a completely because I'm looking at Saul's screen, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all because I actually like. He's going to mean something in a bad way, Chris. Get ready for I it. I promise I'm I ready don't. For it. I don't. I, but I could see someone thinking I'm saying this as a as a hit, and I'm not because I like the way this game. I like the way that game looks, and by chance, I like this one. The art style for this makes me think of Adventure Quest, and I actually Adventure love Adventure Quest. Quest. What is Adventure Quest? You either know or you won't. It was a browser based game where you built out your character. And I, I, that game, Chris, Google this game. Tell me this game looks nothing like this game, dude. I'm the way the animations look, which this is also not a video. Well, yeah, I was gonna say you're showing me a picture. And this is animations. clearly even earlier. So I just mean the style in which the character placed in the thing looked. It, it gave me this like vibe. That, it actually looks like that awful um, limited run games original game, uh, the Magical Trapper Keeper game. Oh, uh, that game was actually that was an original limited run game, was it? What, what, it was called Magical Trapper. Game? No, it's not called that, but that's what the item was. Saturday morning RPG. Okay, that's that what I thought you were talking. Awful. About. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I never played it. But Saul, Saul I got a code and, and, that, and that, played never, it. I don't think it ever. I sent it off to him. They never. <laughs> but like, this is what the map looks like. So you can plot your course and like you can figure out like here's a mini boss. Here's a bonfire. At a bonfire, you can rest and retain health. Oh, so you get to choose where you go. Or like, you yeah. have different forks. Or okay. you could um, uh, upgrade a card for free. So like, if you click here. It's obviously a battle. So your cards pop up here, and I'm on slow mode. And then you have all five of your cards you can use, and you have your energy here, and you use energy to do attacks. And that's kind of it. Eventually, it gets way more complex like any roguelite does. But not to stay on the spire too much, but um, I I want to hear games that y'all think that are are fun to play. That game looks nothing like this game. I'm telling you looks at- i'm not saying it's exact i got vibes but yeah okay so th- that's an interesting thing yeah and you're right indies are doing this a lot but at the same time i think there's other, there's other games that do this in the double or have done this throughout the years in double a space right um and some of them i even brought up earlier like i think overlord is such an interesting idea for a game because it's 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 not even that it's a single genre which i think is kind of the idea across all these right is it's multiple genres smashing together 
So like Chris just downloaded ActRaiser. I think arguably speaking, ActRaiser is more interesting than just a God Sim or just a side-scroller 2D fighting game because it's both. Not necessarily at the exact same time, but that you have facets of each, right? Yeah, not wrong. So what I'm kind of thinking of there is like Overlord is the same idea. Like I talked about earlier where it's a fantasy action RPG for all intents and purposes, I guess, or at least like a fantasy action game. But then it has this layer of, if you want to call that a God Sam, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that extra layer of you're going to control some sort of minion and they're going to do what you want them to do. Um, To that degree, I think those games are interesting. And it's also what I like about, a good example of something I talked about a while back where I would like to see Sony take its IP and just do weird, daring things with it was kind of like we talked about Chain of Memories. Chain of Memories is a great example of taking a game that has an idea and like a normal formula and completely turning it on its head. So Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories is like suddenly this fan, this normal action RPG, action JRPG, whatever you want to call it, is now a top-down third-person isometric game that almost looks like it's kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics in the way that you run through it. Yeah. And then you have this weird door mechanic that's built into that. And then in combat, it's a side-scrolling, almost like it almost looks like a fighter, but it's like a side-scrolling individual area based and you roll through a deck. I like ideas when games come together like that. And that's clearly a bigger game. But then you have other, which Square has a lot of examples of this because you have Nier. Yeah, And like you talked about, this stuff is coming back around because Nier was kind of not really loved for the fact that it genre-bended often. And yet that's one of the things that people really latch onto about what they like about Nier Automata. I think that is one of the factors that makes those games masterpieces. Yeah, because it <laughs> interests you in a very different way. And it does it, and it, does it in, in a, just such a phenomenal way. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you got any games that you, that you like that you feel like are just odd out there genres or mashups of genres? Um, not a ton, but I am thinking of how fun NFL Street is. I don't know if any of you played that, but that's a NFL football game, but also an RPG. What? What? It's like a fighting. Or no, I say fighting. It's like a um, a fighting game. <laughs> you play. You play. Uh, it's basically NFL Blitz, but you play like a story between the games, and I think it was really fun. It wasn't good, but it was I had fun. It on GameCube, but it was an idea that. That could I be like. done in yeah. a good way. Yeah, it's it's like if you know 2K cared about NBA more than making money, that's what they they do with their story mode. It's just not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting, because there's plenty of games that I love that I feel like the reason you remember them is because of how odd of a take they were. So I think Saul knows this, but there was multiple versions, so maybe not. Um, and I may be thinking of someone else. But uh, the Sims games have always been the top down, build your house out, and mm-hmm. then you're just watching people do stuff and having some light influence in what, yeah. what's going on, right? But one of my favorite Sims games of all time we was about Sim this. 2 Herbs, Sims in the City. Yes. Uh, I like uh, that game. But specifically, the, <laughs> the Game, game Boy, Boy Advance and yeah. DS version. I don't know what you're talking about anymore. You had full control of your character and you just walked around the city. You made your own character and then like you, walk, you, like, you would explore everything. You like, could go around to the entire city, room to room. You had complete control of your character. And it was almost like a collection of mini games that you do to earn. It was jobs, and that's how you made money. But there was a story built into this. So unlike Sims games where the, the normal Sims games don't have a story, 
But this game had a story. Daddy Big Bucks is going through and trying to buy the whole city out so he can make some kind of big over thing. Oh, I know. It's super tongue-in-cheek and stupid and over the top. But I love the game. And I even replayed it not that long ago uh, by playing the DS version, which is the exact same as the Game Boy Advance game. It just looks a little bit better and has added functionality in the bottom screen. I love that game. And you could... um you could be like a rat man in that game too. There was like a character that was on <laughs> the DS version. You could be rat man. Yeah. Of like Batman. I still have the DS version sitting in there. I just it's, don't have a DS to play. It's on. phenomenal. <laughs> but I do. I love that game. I got it on Game Boy Advance way back. And then I ended up actually playing the majority of it on PSP through an emulator. And then I replayed it again on DS. That game is such a weird idea of mashups that it sticks in my head way more than any other Sims game. And I've played other Sims games. It's just none of them mattered to me besides that one. Mm-hmm. Which, another good example is Rune Factory. I loved Rune Factory 4 because it's everything that most people like about Harvest Moon and those and the, I, I guess, to some degree, um, Stardew, Valley. Stardew Valley. But on yeah. top of that, you still farm and do pretty much everything you do there. And you still have relationships with everybody where you go around and talk to people and can get relationship interest and friendships built up and you gain things off of that. But then at the same time, it's a top down, almost like a Zelda like RPG where it's top down. You have boss battles and you run around the map and fight them. And it's awesome. I love that. I guess I'm a fool for anything that is that genre bends in any way and does it well enough. Like I love when movies go from comedy to horror, and I love like I love when stuff like that happens because if it's done well and the transition works out well, then it's just a great experience for me. And like Slay the Spire being what it is was not it never felt gimmicky at all, and sometimes stuff like this feels kind of gimmicky. I mean, I could definitely see that. I'm trying to see NFL Street and kind of get this idea of what Chris is talking about. Like, is the game always still football, but there's stuff that's going on within it, or do you like actually walk around and do? I don't remember if you walk around. I just know the that there's a story, and you play a specific character, and you go through and like actually have like stuff outside of that that can affect you. Because I remember like. There'd be stuff like, do you take steroids? This affects you in this way. Do you punch a reporter or whatever, that kind of stuff. Well, that kind of reminds me of what Andrew and other people have talked about, what they love about the NCAA, uh, or am I thinking of the right thing? Is it NCAA? Whatever, the college football uh, games, where he said like, there's, there's ideas of RPG in there where it's like whether or not you get to keep playing is based on if you choose to study or if you choose to, to practice and train and those things go into different ways and you can get it to where you actually fail a test and can't play a game. Like that extra layer of weird stuff does come into play and uh, definitely changes the way that you think about those. So that's, I mean, that's a cool idea. I'm trying to think of other weird games that really have this line between different genres. I'm trying to think. There was a game at one point that became a horror game. That became a horror game? Yeah, like it was like you're playing it and it's just a normal game and then all of a sudden it's like the atmosphere completely changes. Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay, I'm about to say, yeah. Yep. We talked about that too. Uh, Chris is talking about playing it. We we talked about maybe doing a spoiler chat on that. (laughs) I'd still like to do that. That game rocks. I think we could probably do that. Um, I still haven't played that game, but I've heard interesting. That game's not on PlayStation, is it? Because here's something like, is it okay? I thought it was. I'm curious how it does certain things. 
Because like certain ways that game, like correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been like three years since I played. I played it when it came out. Isn't like you have to dig through File Explorer, don't you? Mm-hmm. It has. It's all in there. It's okay. just a uh, you launch, you play the game from a computer in the game. Oh, okay. See now that goes into weird ideas of like, um, uh, uh, what was that game called? A lost cell phone or something? Oh, dude, that game's phenomenal. That, that game is that, so the mobile game. Yeah, a normal lost phone. Yeah. And everything about that game is weird because it's just you basically going through a virtual phone. Yeah. In a way, I like yeah. That game. And, and it almost ties up like the way you play it on a phone, the medium that it's that, like you're playing it as is fantastic. Well, yeah, because you're playing a fake phone on your real phone and going through all this stuff. Uh, another interesting game that I really want to play, but I haven't gotten around to it yet because I'd have to hook up some kind of a webcam. I guess I could try and play it on my laptop. There's a game. That I have to think of the name of real quick. What is it? Use your webcam or something? Yes, uh, it's a game where you it, it gets facial recognition, recognition, and you do it, and it's called Before Your Eyes. And what happens? It's it's really new. It just came out this year. It's a game where time doesn't pass in the game world until you blink. Like stuff happens, but it once you blink, whenever that is the game moves forward a certain amount of time. Oh, that's weird. And you don't get to see what happened the rest of the way. And you have like these really weird fractured memories and everybody experiences the game different based on when you blink. And I, that's a really cool idea. And two Saul's real degree. I actually think indie games on PC. And as often as we talk about phone, not being used for, very interesting games so that's so just built up of games that literally everyone's played before mm-hmm. there are times where games where people are using the idea of phone like a normal lost phone and doing something so strange and interesting that pulls you to want to do it and pc gets that a lot too i don't think console gets that as often and that's a shame but it's also because the limitations. how are you gonna i mean you could i guess hook a webcam into a it's just the limitations of the medium like it's 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 kind of like what I was talking about with Doki Doki. It's like Doki Doki is interesting in the way because it's like it's designed for a computer because like the the stuff you do in that game, mm-hmm. um, and the kind of the workaround they did with PlayStation, like Chris just said, is they you're kind of on a virtual computer in a way in there, um, and like stuff with webcams. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's because it, that specifically peripheral stuff is definitely more lesser seen. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, unless it's like microphone based, which uh, PlayStation could actually excel at. Yeah, and they have. I think they could too. But there's also games that have been done from big people. Like, have any of you played Spore? Yeah, Spore's no. awesome. No, super no. weird game. It's weird, but but it's an it's, it's a time where if 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 you looked at me right now and said, "Hey, did you know that EA did Spore?" You wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't immediately think. It, but that actually leads us to the game that Chris was talking about before we started recording, Lost and Random. Yes, where that, that is an play. EA original, and that is not a game that as soon as I saw it, I would have thought, yeah, that's that's EA, and it, that's a really interesting idea of like a game where you run around third person action adventure, but then all of your actions throughout the game are based off of cards, very similar to what we talked about with Chain of Memories. Uh, I think that's a really odd way of going about it, but it's cool. I like to see that kind of stuff. So. I think, I mean, if there's any other games, because I think what I want to do here is part us give you game suggestions that are weird that you may not have heard of and want to experience. That's kind of like what that's, yeah, the that's two way street, baby. Yeah, that's kind of what I had in mind <laughs> thinking about the topic because I, 
I absolutely love when it comes to this kind of stuff because, like we were talking about, these kind of games could be so niche. Like I'd never heard of Slay the Spire like when I played it, but that game was fairly had a fairly decent player base for it. Yeah, sure. But it's just one of those that it passes under your radar. And I'm curious as to hear like if people have recommendations. Um, honestly, I would. I'm gonna go ahead and take this one step further as well and ask the same thing, but for movies. Like, is there they have people watch some movies that do that too? Like where they genre bend and. Um, Malignant. <laughs> I'm really dude, honestly okay. Malignant does do that in a way, but it's it it it's it, also a genre list movie almost. Yeah, it also is not scary or thrilling at all. <laughs> to, but to but then again, isn't that the thing? Anytime a game genre bends or anything, right? Doesn't it technically become genre list? I mean, well, it's not that it's genre list. It says so many genres that you don't want to give you don't want to overly give one to it. But then again, I think even games like Nier, right? Nier Automata and the original Nier are known for being genre bending, but their core genre is always action RPG. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, that's important. Too. It's how it stems it keeps, off of that. It keeps an identity among um, genre bending. A game we didn't talk about that I don't know that either of you have played. I honestly just can't remember. I, I talked to so many people about this game off and on, uh, but they do genre bend, and I think it's important to how the games play off. I think it's true of both of them, but I only beat the first one, and I meant to play the second one. I still have it. need to go back and do that. Uh, the Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay. Yes. That game starts as like a action-adventure puzzle game. In a weird way. And as you progress through, at a certain point, the game suddenly becomes like a stealth action game. So that game there is the only iteration of like a movie game that I really loved. Yeah, I think it's one of the best movie games I've ever played. And I think about that game all the time because it was super interesting. And it also took the idea of like, make sure we bring in Vin Diesel. Make sure the character looks like Vin Diesel. Let's make this feel like this is just an extension of that this, world. This Vin Diesel looked better than the Fast and the Furious Vin Diesel that just came out. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong about that. Actually, it did back in 2004. Definitely the PC version for an Xbox fantastic. game. Yeah, the, the Xbox version still looked good. I played the PS3 version when they remastered it as part of uh, Assault on Dark Athena. Yeah, and I got so caught up in that game that I beat it, and then I felt like I'm done. But there's an entire other game on that disc. I I bought the game for a completely different game. Chronicles of Riddick, I would say as a whole, is a very niche <laughs> name. It, it is definitely now. I mean, it was very big, and then. You know, <laughs> that's a cool. That's like Firefly. That's a really cool, like original world yeah. that I wish was explored. That had more opportunities to be explored more on. Yeah, but yeah. So that's that's kind of the crux, I guess. Is like I want to hear genre bending stuff, and it doesn't even have to be like whole games that half of it is like a puzzle game, that half of it is a stealth game, like we were just talking about. I I think that it's interesting just to hear good instances of games that do it randomly and do it well, like. Unexpecting stuff like that is is great. I mean, this I, I'm looking at a list out of curiosity just to see what kind of stuff I do and don't know of at all. How does that work? I I think it's fair to say that that is because in many really? ways it is a it's a walking simulator. Death game. Stranding for people. Yeah, like. so Death Stranding is a, is a, is on somebody's list here as a game that uh, defies genre of classification. Okay. Okay. That, yeah. And I think that that's fair, which is kind of what we talked about a second ago, right? When you genre bend to a degree, you start to hit this idea of like, well, it's, it's a little harder to completely give it a classification. I'm, I'm specifically, or I was specifically this, not saying this is off the table, 
people could give us examples like this too of genreless games. But in my mind, I'm specifically thinking of games that go from one genre to the other, which I don't think Death Stranding really does. I think that it's just it's hard to classify what it. I don't know because I think that the majority of Death Stranding is a walking simulator and like a fetch quest simulator, as weird as you want to call that, and it's all about that. And then suddenly, there's parts where the game is very heavily combat oriented. Suddenly, a third per- a very competent third person shooter. Yeah, and I apparently get, that's even better in this. I one. guess. I guess to be and fair, though, PS5 version. The way that game works is that that could be a heavily like a heavy third person shooter at any point you want it to be. Uh, because that the way yeah. that game works is that yeah. like you could technically just take one package and then go and specifically fight off um uh oh guys in the yellow suits what are they called i actually can't think of it right now either but uh yeah like that's something that it looks like there's actually more of in the director's cut is more combat sequencing which i thought was good because i think kojima does combat really well yeah sure oh i guess speaking of kojima uh metal gear rising that that took a series from like yeah, from yeah. from stealth espionage like third person or isometric depending on the game to a platinum a literal platinum hack and slash game that yeah was which absolutely is yeah, nuts. yeah that's true I, I love that game too by the way that game is fantastic mm, yeah is I'm curious crazy. to see other people's examples I mean I'm not gonna act like there aren't games on phone that are doing this because like I can't think of the name of the game but there's a game on phone where like you it's a match a three way match game kind of like bejeweled but as okay. you do it, like you fight with those. So like you match. Cool. You match oh, I know what you're talking about. Combat. I can't think of the name of the game right now. Um, puzzle Quest, right? That's not it. I don't think so. Let me see. Animal Phone Farm. Game where. Actually, no. Animal Farm is a book. Match. It's, yeah. It's a Orwell, brother. <laughs> match. What is the, what is the uh, Farmville? Those I was like, what is the combat. Facebook farming game? <laughs> it definitely Farmville. is not Animal Farm. All right. Let's see if, it, if this is it. Puzzle Night. It might be it. I don't think it is though. You're no, no you're talking of. about it has JRPG saw art, doesn't it? Yes, and as you, it, it's a, it's it a, is, a um, yeah. You you do multiple. I just can't think. It's a it's a match three or tile matching, whatever you want to call it. And then it goes into like an RPG. Let's see, uh, phone game match three RPG. Let's see if we can find it that way. <laughs> I saw this. Not Gems too of War. Anymore. I think that's it. See, that doesn't ring a bell, but that then again, I'm, I'm going to look it up real quick. Gems of War. Gems of War. So I, I don't want to overly go across and act like um, this stuff doesn't happen to some degree and other stuff. Like phone games do often do very weird things and are interesting because of it. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's interesting. That's literally the best thing you can say. I think Gems of War is it. Also. Um, this is, this goes back to like whenever I had my Nexus Seven tablet, um, the the best tablet ever launched, by the way. But um, something I noticed because back then I was intentionally trying to find more games to play on like my Nexus tablet. Uh, I will say this much: there is a ton of there's so much like there's so much ga- there's so many games on app stores, right? Because you could literally release thousands of them as one publisher especially on Android and not to worry about them getting taken down for any reason. Yeah. But there's so many like hidden gems, like card games, like, like literal, like I'm going to battle like this P- NPC kind of card game and they work so well. 
for what they are. That's I don't know what that is. That looks like I don't. Maybe this isn't it, but I think it's what I was trash. saying. Trash. Look at that font they're using in that game. <laughs> it's a phone. You got to be able Arial. to read. <laughs> no. That's All right. Uh, well, I guess do we? Does anybody have anything else they want to add before we wrap the show off? No, I mean I'm thinking. The other game that came to mind was Naughty Bear, and I don't know if that really counts for what we're talking uh, about here. Oh but man, I haven't heard I, that I game. I can kind of see what time. you mean. I, I love Naughty Bear. I would argue that Naughty Bear is almost a horror game. <laughs> I got I got Naughty Bear pinned out. I think. Oh really? Yeah, I Naughty so. Naughty Bear is a crazy game. Super broken in a lot of ways. The game was. Did they ever get a patch? I don't no. even know if it did. That no. game was so buggy. Multiplayer but, still works though. So, bro, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. It's peer to peer, so it runs still. Oh, cool. That's good. I'm I'm really glad when games don't have to worry about that. They just have somebody be a host of themselves. Yeah. I absolutely got this game pinned out. <laughs> Naughty Bear is super fun. It's one of the best PS3 games I in a weird way. I never played it except for once over at our buddy's house. Mm. Well, all right, guys. I guess that means that our call to action to you this time around our community stake is going to be for you to give us your little weird niche genre mashing games. What is Google Images? Why is that <laughs> pop up? I almost want to put that put that in Discord. So, Chris, yeah, I'd like save to that save that to your phone so that when your wife goes I'm, through, I'm going to screenshot this so that I can. One thing I like about iPhone screenshotting is like I can screenshot it, send it from the screenshot, and then delete, delete it all in one go, all in one screen. <laughs> anyway, uh, give us your niche games that you love that you felt like genre bended and kind of fit into the classific- uh, classifications of what we're talking about. Uh, that way, we have some new games to look at and potentially play. Uh, that's a good time. Sounds like a fun thing to do so i'm glad that we got to do this and kind of talk about that so that hopefully we get a lot of good stuff from you guys but remember if you want to support the show head over to patreon.com slash nartech we thank all of our patrons who already do you guys are awesome and uh without further ado i think we guys will see you next time for episode 231 so guys thanks for joining me and we'll see everybody next week thank you all big shout out to our patrons ham and egger bailey robertson rob warpoint Josh Drago, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Jason Clendenning, Kyle Grimm, Richard Schaefer, Brood Days 93, Joshua Lago, Landis, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villalobos, Cor- uh, Solitary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Corey Hickerson, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Sanderud, The Stonard, Josh Jarrell, Steven Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you. Thanks.